0: everybody do it with me <laughs> 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 welcome to vibrant leo herb uh astro herbalism edition i couldn't have said it more correctly myself as family fungi exclaims very excited to be with y'all on this one thank you everybody for being here thanks for hitting like on your way in, sharing the stream with people that you know like plants and like astrology and like fun, especially fun. And uh, already a nice little super chat from Jason Reed over on the Rockman side. Thank you for the support. And here we are ready to show off the fun part of the Zodiac, the king of the Zodiac. It's going to be Liddy Kitty, as uh, the kids say. I don't know if the kids still say that. A few years ago, I heard kids say that. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting up there, but welcome, everybody. I feel like it's been a while since I've seen you all, except Gabe. And that might be because we are a little or we're a week later than a month since the last one. So the excitement has really been building up. Uh, so welcome. I'll just kick it over to Michelle and Mario. How have you guys been?
1: What's up, everybody? We're doing good over here. Things are uh, rolling in nicely in the late days of summer. So Yep.
2: Yeah, all is well over here. It's nice to see you guys. Uh, Leo is a fun sign to talk about. The strength card is very interesting. Curious to hear you guys' comments about everything. Right on. And what's up, Kyle? Thank you for honoring the dress code.
3: Yo, what's up? Hey, congratulations, Mister Chance! Hundred episodes of the Vibrant. Dude, I'm I'm honored to be here. It's uh it's nice to be in this little pride of lions we got here, and I'm really happy. To be a contributor to this amazing show, 100 episodes. I go back very frequently, and I listen to some guests. I listen to some uh, from a couple years ago, and there's just always good stuff on this show. I love the flow state, and I love the space you hold for for these fun topics and all the ones that you have, man. So, congratulations, and it's great to be here tonight. man. Just got thanks, dude.
0: Coming from a legend like yourself, definitely an honor to know that you get something out of the content. I certainly do. I look forward to someday, like many years in the future, going back through this stuff because one of the things I love about it is we're typically very timeless in our conversations. It's not really like current events heavy. But, guys, as we're about to kick off talking about Leo as a symbol, as a sign, I think nothing else need be said that other than if you want to know what Leo energy is like, just look at the box under me. <laughs> this guy. This guy brings the fun, brings the enthusiasm, always keeps the ball rolling. Gabriel, we appreciate and honor you, my friend.
4: Thank you. I'm honored and I'm so stoked to be here. It's been a a little too long already. I love you guys so much. Uh, And I got some wonderful gifties in the mail. Kyle, you stud. I got a package for, for my birthday from Tippecanoe Herbs. And man, am I blessed, man. I'm so super blessed. Uh, I'm going to show off some of my goodies. I got this here book. There we go. The Seven Herbs, Plants as Teachers by Matthew Wood. And Kyle, you say this is a teacher of yours or? Yeah. Yeah. And Michelle too. Oh, really? Oh, you guys both? Oh, that's so perfect yeah so I'm super stoked on this and I mean, the fact that it's seven herbs kind of hits a super sinky note for me because <laughs> uh as uh, we've talked about before, you know, I'm Leo for life, born and raised, but I'm coming to terms with that cancer, you know with that that little bit of lag, that sign in the uh in the sidereal, yeah so i'm I'm feeling the seven a lot lately and kind of uh, you know in my own way and my own path. I'm almost um, reconciling the 7 to the 8, which is a huge, numerical, numerically significant step. The 78 cards of the tarot, the 7 to the 8, uh, yeah, as we rise in the summer uh, to the pinnacle. So, yeah, thank you, brother. I'm looking forward to this. And then I should show off some of the other goodies. I got Bay leaf Hydrosol.
0: Yo, well, the and- hydrosols are a must gotta have some of those you've you've had this one chance i haven't had that one but i actually just used the last drops of it i'm gonna order some more like tonight but the uh i particularly like the rose hydrosol for before i go on the camera it's like you spray your face with the essence of venus and you're just like yeah i got a glamour on (laughs) you know it like gets rid of like the tired eyes tightness and like bagginess it just sort of washes all that away in a very comforting mist. The lavender one's also really good. If you get a little burned in the sun or like an actual burn, clear that right up. So the hydrosols, got to promote that.
3: Yeah, a distillation distillation of the bay leaf. And it takes all the uh, aromatic oils and makes a colloidal suspension in the water. And it has that word sol in there. So there's a solar energy to the water as well. And especially with bay leaf as well. Yeah, so good. I just love it. I absolutely love it. And then I've got a sunny comfort
4: here. This is a hawthorn berry, lemon balm, bay leaf, mugwort. Oh, motherwort, linen, and lemon verbena extracted in alcohol, local honey. Uh, and then I also have Apollo's Radiance. Was gifted to me. Man. I feel so glamorous. I feel so so glamorous. Thank you, brother. This one is nice.
3: Uh, sh- should I put
4: this in my beard? Because that's the first thing I did.
3: It's it's anoint whatever whatever they they wish. I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is really good stuff too. So
4: thank you so much. I'm blessed to be a part of this uh, of this little crew. And also, uh, Mario, inadvertently, man, you gave me a book a book tip. So I reached out and I grabbed the one you flashed on the screen the other night. Very interesting, oh, man. Yeah. And there's all kinds of tidbits in here. So this was kind of my uh, birthday gift to myself per your recommendation.
2: Neuronomicon. Gotcha. Very cool, dude. Uh, I'm curious to talk about this sometime with you. Yeah. There's some
4: uh, just flashing through. There's there's a lot going on, man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
4: And then the last thing I got, and I'll give you guys a book report someday. Placenta methamphetamine. Here we go. (laughs) I finally have the book in my hand. Dr. Feel good. The story of Maxwell Jacobson, the guy who sold placenta mats to the JFK thing. It's all crazy.
0: Have fun with that. (laughs) Well, since we were showing off the goodie bags from slick, it's a good idea to just remind everybody that if they are interested in some of those medicinal treasures that Kyle and his family and his employees are producing, pop over to a new herbs and I'll put a link in the live chat here. You can use the interverse code as a coupon code interverse 10% off and you support the show while you're at it. And I'm definitely fiending to try some of those things. Like a few that you got there. I've never used myself, the Apollo's radiance. That sounds awesome. Anoint thyself. So yeah, guys, I recommend everything that Kyle has ever sent me all really good stuff. Much appreciated, bro. (laughs) Yeah, hydrosolid right now. I've been known to do it in the middle of the show. It's very refreshing. Okay, so I guess we'll start on talking Leo symbolism. And for that, I will go ahead and prepare the slides. But, man, this is just definitely a fun energy. That 's like the best descriptor of it, but it's fierce it, uh, you know it doesn't necessarily apologize very well. actually, you know what I think would be great. Jennifer clipped this from a uh, a guy named the Leo King, who is an astrologer dude a pretty uh, pretty major YouTube micro celebrity astrologer dJ guy definitely embodies the whole fun leo vibe, but we'll watch this brief clip, and this ought to give us the full understanding of what leo is all about so here we go
4: you know what else i just gotta say one more thing it's my time it's leo time okay give me my fucking time especially after the last three and a half years us leos got fucking rammed and we fucking are still here and we're still fucking cool as fuck and those leo rising i'm not forgetting about you motherfuckers um let us have our moment here
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> Give me my time. (laughs) We're cool. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a good introduction to the subject. Uh, Anybody want to say a few words while I pull up the slides? Uh,
1: uh, I have a showy bouquet for everybody to bring in some Leo energy. I couldn't hear the clip, by the way. I'm not sure if it was maybe. Yeah. We only
2: saw it for a second.
1: But. Did Uh,
2: everyone else hear it? I heard it. Oh, okay.
1: It could have been on our end for some reason. But just wanted to share some flowers with everybody. Nice showy show of Leo energy here. Well, what do we have there? We've got some calendula and we have goldenrod. We've got Queen Anne's lace in here. There is also some dryers, or dyers, chamomile, and amaranth. So just wanted to bring everybody some flowers for Leo.
2: Beautiful. Thank you.
4: That's awesome. Thank you so much.
0: My there, little technical difficulty there, is finding my slides. You guys continue on.
4: There was a calendula on my birthday card also, Kyle. The little cards that you can plant. Yeah. There's there, there seeds in the paper here.
3: Yep, yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah, just throwing it away. Just throw it in the compost and see what comes up. That's awesome. Yeah yeah calendula which we covered back in sagittarius because it is a very fiery plant and we were mentioning about the calendar aspect of it and everything like that too which would also be applicable here for leo too
4: right right so yeah uh well one thing that's it's, it's good it's bound to come up uh will be the oil you know leo in uh, in reverse is oil uh and so that's, uh, and of course, we're, uh, we're also talking about the cream of the crop, the pinnacle, the alpha, you know, those, the, sh- the shine, the brightest, uh, you know, the, they got to the end of the race um, because at this point, you know, we're coming up on the harvest season. It's like, uh, if you made it this far, you're going to be hot, sweaty, like really worked in uh, the restings just on the, on the horizon. So there's a lot of like, yeah, yeah champion status for sure
0: all right so here we are as uh, has become our tradition we're going to examine some of these classic images from various popular tarot decks depicting leo in the strength card or as crowley's deck put it the lust card which i don't know if it's really the right place to get into the whole like number swap from eight to eleven but (laughs) to me that's a weird it's a weird question it's almost like a trick
4: Is today today the lion's game yesterday was okay okay so we are we are kind of on the eight eight lion's gate kind of thing of the eight and the eleven
0: so one of the classic depictions here in the middle is often associated all three of these honestly with uh Sophia, the mother goddess of wisdom and her son the demiurge but i think i'm gonna let mario take it away talking about some of this tarot
2: symbolism because that's definitely his wheelhouse some thanks man um yeah you know one of the interesting things that always kind of hits me first is the fact that when we talk about the lion when we think about the lion we all think about the um king of the jungle right yet in the two classic versions on the left, the Marseille and the Rider weight, what do you see? You see the lion being tamed. He's being submissive, right? He doesn't look like he uh, is fighting back at all. And his tail is actually between his legs. And so this is a really interesting thing that I've noticed in the tarot are these inversions, meaningful inversions, right? And so you would think that you would want to have a proud, big you know, powerful lion. And here you see that this woman is taming the lion. And when I think of this woman, especially in the or weight version, I think they're implying that she actually is emblematic of Virgo. So just like what you said, Sophia and the Demiurge, I see this image as a mother child sort of portrait. And so I think that the woman in particular in the middle, she's Symbolic of Virgo, which is right after Leo. So the relationship between Virgo and Leo, I see mother and child or mother and son. Right. So Leo is ruled by the son. So he is symbolically the son, S-O-N and S-U-N. Right. There's something to be said about cancer also being um, related to the mother as well. And Leo being the son. So on both sides of Leo, it's really interesting. You have this feminine sort of quality also uh, just because I brought it up but Cancer and Leo right next to each other right it's really interesting Cancer is ruled by the moon the only sign ruled by the moon Leo is the only sign ruled by the sun and uh, you see there that she has this infinity sign just above her head right and even in the Marseille you kind of get a little bit of that symbol within her hat as well and so to me uh, this is interesting because uh, this is the 8th card depending on the deck right And um, the eight to me, the infinity symbol very much lines it up to me with Mercury. I think of Mercury's run and return, if you will, between realms, between worlds, being the psychopomp, being the messenger of the gods. Um, And so I think this kind of further solidifies the fact that she actually is related to Virgo because Virgo is ruled by Mercury. And so the lion in and of itself symbolically I mean, so many different religions and cultures have their own take on the lion. Uh, I think Krishna was referred to as a um, as a wild lion uh, that you have the line of Judah, Christ. Right. Even uh, I was just reading that Muhammad's son-in-law is known as uh, the line of Allah. And so uh, so many different groups have their sort of uh, correspondence with the lion, even um, in Judaism, the Jews have been compared um, to a lion-like sort of energy or lion-like quality, right? So. Those are a few of the things that kind of, um, you know, come to mind immediately. Generally, the card is kind of like taming. It's symbolically representing taming your inner beast. Uh, a lot of times uh, people just like Crowley's version implies a lust, right? There's a sexual energy that could be kind of inferred here. Um, notice that even where the head of the lion is, it's closer to, um, you know, her mid section there. And so you can say symbolically, this could relate to, uh, you know, her feminine sort of nature. And she's wearing uh, white, right? Implying purity and things like that. Uh, Crowley definitely, uh, he, he basically borrowed the symbolism of the Beast of Revelation, right? I believe it's uh, seven heads that this beast has. And you see this woman riding this lion. And then even it's kind of interesting, you see that the tail there, It's like a serpentine lion. This is really interesting because I've made videos about the relationship between the serpent, the lion, and the dragon. And even the Hebrew letter that uh, gets associated with this card is Tet or Teth, which literally means serpent or also vessel as well, like a womb, like a container. And so it means both of these things. And when you look at the, the letter itself, you can kind of see how um, that makes sense. So the woman who rides the beast, the whore of Babylon, she's generally holding a chalice of filth, full of abominations, right? And so that's what she has there in her right hand. Um, and then you see the uh, that point Uh, In the middle, up top, it's surrounded by, I believe it's like 10 different horns. So those are a few of the things that come to mind immediately. I think of the lion and um, its power and its pride being it's both um, its blessing and its curse. Right. So the Demiurge, right. The Demiurge was known as being blind and ignorant and kind of tyrannical and he thought he was the ultimate supreme deity but he was failing to realize that there is actually a god above him which is actually his mother sophia the feminine and so um courage and pride basically you know if it's too much um if that's too present if that's too potent if that goes unchecked obviously it can lead to you know some not so great things um but yeah that's what i have At the moment, I I actually the last thing I do have notes here, but the last thing I'll say is uh, regarding Virgo and Leo. Some people have made the case that the Sphinx, the famous Sphinx in ancient Egypt, that it's actually a hybrid between Virgo and Leo, that the uh, upper half would be Virgo, the lower half would be Leo. And that this was actually the beginning and end of their year. So, Virgo and Leo combined symbolically represented the beginning of their astrological year and the complete cycle of the year as well. So, I think that's kind of curious. But I'd love to know what you guys think.
3: I'm thinking about the um, strength as related to the right hand path and the left hand path. And in this card, especially these cards where. Um, uh, instead of uh, forcing lo- forcing uh, this animal to you know be tamed it almost is like the the gentle aspect or the surrender to the ferocity of this animal is what uh, helps it become in its most playful state so on the left hand path we're kind of bending things to our will and you know with the goal of uh, the same goal as the right hand path which is surrendering the will um, to to nature and that's to me that's really applicable in herbalism because i see allopathic herbalism as being sort of a a left-hand path you know trying to force the body into submission or suppressing symptoms or a desired outcome and then the right-hand path which is having herbs that i that i think that we'll talk about today that have this way of giving space to allow what naturally the most playful and natural state to occur. And so I I see that um, really presently in these cards here, too.
2: Excellent. I love that. And a similar metaphor would be the crook and flail, right? Uh, Mercy versus severity. So how are you going to lead your flock? Are you going to lead them gently, right? Or are you going to uh, punish them in a way to get them to do what you want them to do? But um, yeah, I like those comments, man.
0: So I think one interesting way to talk about Leo as a theme would actually be for me to recount a story uh, from a tuning client. I think this was last week. So one thing that now that I'm getting some mileage on working with people in biofield tuning is I'm noticing there is a really powerful connection to the zodiacal sign. The sun is traveling through at least tropically and what kind of problems people come to me with or intentions they come to me with for their healing and so this this one I promised Gabe I would tell him the story because he's involved in it in a way and unwittingly Um, but it's just one of the most fascinating and intricate stories uh, in a one hour process that I've ever kind of put together it's like every tuning feels like a puzzle And the pattern recognition part of it is what makes it so fun for me and why I think I'm so drawn to it as a practice. But okay, I'm going to get into this. I'm just going to call this client D so as to not reveal the name. So D came for a tuning because she wanted to get over a fear of public speaking. So there's a very Leo thing right out the gate. That was the intention (laughs) because that's what Leo is definitely for. It's like center of attention, all eyes on me, that type of thing. And she wanted to give uh, or she was planning on giving a talk that had to do with the science of the heart. So there we go. We're on a Leo theme again right there. So I started uh, with the Sun Star Chakra. And the earth star shocker, which is like you can consider it like the north and south poles of your energy field. Always looking for those at the beginning to open them up, to adjust them, to be centered if necessary. And with her, I noticed that it was in the front left of her, you know, instead of above the head, it was like out in the front and to the left. And it had this feeling like it was a shield. And as I continued into the tuning, I realized that a big theme of what was holding her back was this idea of protection. and. I feel like that's also a very symbolically Leo aligned thing, which we'll see more of as we delve into the plants that are in our slideshow. So as I go forward even further, I start working on the right foot and I find, as is very common, a got off on the wrong foot type of birth story (laughs) where actually she died when she was born because she was poisoned when her mother was overly anesthetized in the hospital. So she died on, you know, the baby died temporarily. She did as a baby. And uh, her mom, this is all stuff she couldn't really know, but this is the sense I got as I was working with this, was that while her mom was also knocked out from being overly anesthetized, anesthetized, that's a tough word. (laughs) Um, People have out-of-body experiences whenever they're knocked out of their body. By drugs like this. They might not even always remember these out-of-body experiences, but it's, you can knock out the body and the memory holding capacity, but you don't knock out the consciousness. Consciousness is the thing that is eternal. It's always there. So her mother, during this birth experience, had a powerful intent that was projected of protect my baby, protect my baby, because of what she could see was going on in her out-of-body state where they're trying to revive the baby. And this actually put this like energetic implant in D's energy field that worked as a shield. But protection is a a two-sided sword in a way. And uh, one of the ways protection works is by avoiding being seen or heard. And as we started working in the left hip, I found that she was holding on to this humongous fear of being exposed. And as we dug into it, she told me that this fear was not like nervousness or anxiety. In fact, her left ankle where that type of feeling would hang out was actually clear, but it was existential fear like survival, life or death fear. And so I began to work on this left hip. And this is we found there a uh, another a second near death experience that had been more recent. So D is actually 74. So she's had a lot of experiences in life. Really interesting and very strong lady. Um and then I found this a second near-death experience. It was that a holistic dis- dentist had, long story short, fucked up a tooth extraction and she lost a lot of blood. And later on that evening, she fell unconscious and busted her left hip, which is why she to have a surgical implant there. So she basically had like another experience of being anesthetized in a near-death experience, like unconscious, dead to the world temporarily. A repeat of the birth trauma that was triggered In my opinion, maybe by the childhood teeth being pulled, which is like a disruption of electricity in the body. And those teeth are from all the way back when you're like five. So I kept going with the left hip because there was so much going on there with this like protective shield. And I found this is where it gets interesting, because if you guys remember the talk I had with Carla Adams a few weeks ago about ancestral biofield tuning, working with ancestor spirits, helping them move on. Um I wasn't looking for this but something told me to check further away than the 6 foot space at the left hip because it was such a strong resistance going on and I found a stuck ancestor a stuck ancestor on the far outside of the left hip at the root level and immediately got this like download uh that in this being it was a grandmother told me it's her grand. it told me it was her grandmother and that She'd been depressed in her life due to being extremely introverted and shut in and paranoid. And then I asked D about this and she confirmed that her grandmother had grown up in Russia during the Bolshevik takeover and communism, causing her to have extreme paranoia. And when her family fled to the U.S., she never fully integrated or learned the language very well and was kind of a shut in. So all that story fit. <clears throat> And her fear of other people was keeping her from going to the oneness, as Carla calls it. So I asked this ancestor to try a little bit of light, you know, as in let in a little bit of this source energy. It's okay, It's safe. And that was helping. Then I asked for uh, assistance, like a divine messenger guide type energy. And what Carla always called these angels that she worked with, she called them Gabriel's. So that was on my mind. and In my mind's eye, I literally saw our Gabriel show up and walk this grandmother into the light and he was smiling just like that right there. (laughs) And it was really helpful. He made it happen. Um, And I, you know, I continued investigating some of the ancestor stuff, this grandma and her, all her sisters had died of lung and heart issues, despite none of them being smokers or anything. This grandma in particular, the Stug ancestor had died of lung cancer. So the lungs are where we hold grief and, and sadness and depression. And then back to the concept of the anesthesia type of near death experience, I found out that her grandfather married to this grandmother had had to play dead at one point to not be murdered by the Soviets. So pretending to be dead as a, you know, anesthet- anesthetic, that type of deal, really wild. Um, so I'll, I'm almost there, but <laughs> it's just such a wild tuning. Can't believe this was all in one hour. So we started working on the left side of her heart chakra to deal with stuck grief and sadness that was part of this ancestral pattern and i found can i can i can i interject a little bit please yeah yeah i've got notes so i won't forget
4: i'm afraid i'm gonna forget something because there's already so so many things backing up like no problem you mentioned that uh uh, near death when she was born uh and then another near death where her grandfather had to uh, play dead when you mentioned the uh, near death at birth i kept thinking about uh uh Charon is the ferryman who uh, carries people across the river styx but it's also the name of the wounded healer is Charon or Chiron it's the it's pretty much the same name right and and so i had a little footnote there and i was thinking while you're talking about it but like i have a little inside joke my father does uh anesthesia and he says that his job is to take people as close to death as possible but just when they get to the other side, he makes sure to bring him back safe. So it's like he's giving them a tour of the rig of her sticks, but they never get to stay. They got to come back to the shore where they started every time. It, it's so uh that's just funny because he's not he's not mystical, but he is playing the role of Chiron, and he has no idea he's doing it casually. Like it's like you know, it's just he does it six seven times a day. You know,
0: Chiron has like that. um word has the car phonetic in it which is related to the heart like cardio
4: right and it also has carry-on which is where like in the battlefield is where there's a lot of work to be done right <laughs> um but then when you mentioned that the father played dead um man that's hitting a heavy that's hitting a serious note uh beat for me because i have this weird idea that keeps kind of Coming back to me, spend the night in the graveyard where my grandfather's buried. And that's been an idea I've been cooking up for a couple of years now. And every summer I tell myself, if you're gonna spend the night in a freaking graveyard, do it during the summer, man. Don't don't do it when there's, you know, is it gonna be cold or weird, you know, when the veil is thin. Don't mess around. Do it during the summer when the veil is thick. (laughs) You <laughs> you can be comfortable in a graveyard, you're not gonna be shivering any more than you might already psychologically, you know. So this Chiron story and the fact that you brought forward a protective spirit is very close to home for me because I'm thinking about uh spending the night on grandpa's grave one of these uh one of these nights over the next summer. So
2: can't wait to mention all that.
0: <laughs> Uh, Anyone else want to interject before I finish up this uh, tale? All right. So to continue on uh, that, uh, working on the left hip revealed we really needed to work on the left side of the heart where stuck grief and sadness can live and started getting in there. And I found the point of uh, trauma where her grandson had been born with no left ventricle in his heart. And which, so left side of the heart, where this grief stuff is at, it's an ancestral pattern. This is this story just perfectly reveals how ancestor trauma, until it's rectified, will repeat thematically, generationally, until someone really deals with it and clears it. Um, so this grandson, sadly, he died at six years old. And when I asked his name to invite his spirit into the session to assist us, to help us, I found out that his name was Aiden. So clearly, this being's role was to aid the family's stuck grief energy and help them feel it and express it. Um, so back to the theme of protection. As I was working with this uh, grief about the grandson, she said she had a spontaneous recollection of when her daughter was four years old. She had a viv- D had a vivid dream that something very bad would happen to her that she couldn't protect her from. Back to the protection theme, and. She was like having almost a premonition about the grandson experience, and i uh, I knew that we, as we revealed the the shielding in her energy field and cleared the grief energy, she would really excel at not having to be life or death afraid of you know public speaking and being seen but what 's interesting is you know back to that shielding of the sun star chakra um she said that her problem with public speaking was that her mind would go blank when she was in front of groups. Like she had no reception and the left side of the, of the mind, the left side of the head is where it's the receptive side. It's like nothing. She's not tuning into the group to know what to say. But finally, the last part was the back left side of the heart chakra where we can take on negative energy from other people. It, as soon as I hit the birth zone in there, I got this, image in my mind's eye that just flashed up of uh what I assumed was the nurse who was in the room who decided to knock out her mother with anesthetic whenever the her as a baby was crowning. So the baby was coming, it was all going fine. And there was a nurse in the room that was like, you know what? No, we're just going to knock you out. You're too much trouble, even though it wasn't necessary. This is the type of thing that can happen in hospitals, kind of like a jaded you know, mean old nurse just decided to do that. Um, but the disruption energy of that face was like, I think that was the last deal that we needed to, to fix was because this, the face was burned into her energy field. I saw the face. And that was the first face that she saw as a, when she was a baby being delivered from the womb, you know, and it was not a nice or happy, pleasant energy. So this face that had basically almost killed her Uh, was burned into our energy field, burned into our memory field. And until we cleared that, it was hanging around, creating this constant fear for survival, this life or death fear about being exposed. And all of that is very (laughs) Leo stuff because the, the grief elements in the heart chakra, the protection elements, the public speaking and being exposed elements, it's definitely... All there. So I just wanted to share that tuning uh, story because I feel like it's so fitting to, you know, the overall theme of this. And it was just one of the most interesting tunings ever. And I needed to fit it in somewhere to tell, you know, the peeps about it. So not all tunings are that that intense, but they are all they all have the potential to go that far. It's just what you're ready for as a soul in the moment that we get into the work is what gets revealed. So, yeah, that's my big story. Thanks for everybody for listening. We can now continue on with our scheduled programming.
4: <laughs> that's great, man. You know, I uh it kind of makes me think like what if you had a like one character in each station of the zodiac as your go-to for like in your life as a doppelganger to call upon. You know, you'd be in another situation, you'd be like, "Oh, bring in my my uh My higher Michelle channel, my higher Michelle right now in this situation. You know what I mean? Depending on where you are in the calendar.
0: Yeah, I'll call Michelle for stumps uh, problems with the knees. Capricorn shit. (laughs) All right. Well, let me uh, get our slides back up. And, you know, obviously fire is a theme here.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, Fire and light, right? Very appropriate to talk about. Uh, Lion starts with that L I. Um, And so people can screenshot this if they want, or if they're interested in a study packet, um, they can just message me and I'll send them one. Also available on my site, too. But we got a bunch of keywords. Uh, The tarot suit is wands. Um, The fun stuff that I always like to talk about is the mathematical function. So I think it's interesting that the four main math functions have a correspondence with the elements. And I think multiplication corresponds with fire. And when I see that X, I think of two fire sticks rubbing together, creating tension to create a spark. And then what does fire do it spreads it multiplies right and so some people have different opinions about this uh, but that's kind of how i see it. i think addition is earth i think subtraction is water and then i think division is air um the elemental it corresponds with salamander state of matter plasma i'm kind of jumping around here Uh, but the main planets uh mars jupiter and the sun and then you can see some of the uh, iconography right associated with fire um and then the creatures, plants, gemstones, mythology, etc. And then, yeah, uh, man,
4: you know, I gotta point out
0: multiplication. Ooh, ah, yeah. nice, That's dude. Good. That's funny. dude. I feel like you should call that. You know, um, a brief version of the cat shit story you told me today.
4: <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll. I'll wait. I'll wait till <laughs> this one's okay. done because I. Got, I got a good cat story. trophy <laughs> okay, story.
0: Nice,
2: good. nice. There Don't you forget go. it. And I'll just cruise through this stuff real fast. But uh, Leo, the line obviously uh, takes place during the summer season. Makes perfect sense. It's a fixed sign. Corresponds with the sun. Neptune is exalted in Leo. Um, Saturn and Uranus are considered to be in a detrimental state within Leo. Uh, The polarity is Aquarius. I know, Chance, we've, (coughs) excuse me, we've talked about this multiple times, but the Aquarian-Leo connection is absolutely fascinating. There's so many things to talk about with that, um, which I always kind of gravitate towards uh, the lion you know, being associated with, uh, waterways and fountains and things like that. Um, and also to, uh, the rising of the Nile during Leo season was, was a thing that's kind of been, um, I don't know, kind of baked into symbolism, I would say. Tropically around July 22nd to August 22nd, sidereally around August 15th to, uh, September 15th. It's the fifth house, creativity and pleasure. Uh, as you already mentioned Matters relating to the heart. I think it's really interesting in Freemasonry. They have this uh, lion's paw sort of concept. And so it's like, I think it's when your fingers are kind of like bent inward and it almost looks kind of like a cat's paw and they'll put it over uh, their heart. Right. The mantra, I will. Very, very interesting. Um, And then, of course, the cards, uh, which we've already gone over, and then the cell salt magnesium phosphate. If you're into that sort of thing.
0: All right. I feel like I'm really happy to start talking herbs. You know, it usually takes us about 40 minutes. <laughs> and here we are. This one is so juicy. St. John's wort. Take it away, Herbalista.
3: Thank you. Yeah, we have the, the herbs that we chose are very rich with mythology. So we could talk a lot about the the herbal aspects. Just want to make one comment on Mario and what Mario was just talking about, and since Chiron was brought up, a plant that I have as the plant that is the most archetypical of Chiron is one that we talked about all the way across the zodiac in Aquarius, and it is uh, yarrow or the Wounded Healer of uh, that's the Chiron aspect too of the Aquarius the Heel. And I think Yarrow is a great one for, is a, is a great wound ward, but it's a great one for the wounded healer too. And I'm thinking a lot about Aquarius because right now within a degree or so I am in my solar opposition. So the sun is right across the, right across the zodiac shining bright on my introspection. And so I'm thinking a lot about my birthday (laughs) right now and uh, it's pretty cool. So um We'll I apologize for that. calling you an
0: herbalista. I meant <laughs> Michelle.
3: <laughs> Just kind of fell out. Herbalisto, herbalisto. Yeah, herbalisto. <laughs> um, it's better than herbologist. That's some Harry Potter shit right there. Um, okay. The <laughs> so St. John's War. Um, we could start by talking about, or we could we could get into St. John the Baptist later on. I think that'll be cool for y'all to comment about about. Uh, The name St. John's wort is because this plant, at least where I, in my latitude, it blooms on the summer solstice, not the day before the summer solstice, the summer solstice, like a clock. And I know this because every year I do a solstice herb walk where I go out um, a day before and I do my little scouting and I'm looking for the herbs that I'm going to talk about and I'm looking desperately for St. John's wort and I'm like every year. I guess this isn't, it's not going to happen. Now I have faith that I'm just going to find it on the solstice because I always talk about it on the solstice and it always blooms on that day, which is fascinating to me. Um, So the summer solstice has been kind of appropriated in uh, Vatican terms as the Feast of St. John, which is the 24th of June. So in other words, this plant is one of the great signatures of this plant is the relationship to the highest power of the sun. It's the highest power of the Sun and so we could think about that um, what the sun means um, and just uh, just a, a quick aside here for all of y'all following along and in the audience that's interested in learning about this stuff we have here some plants that are sympathetic to leo qualities we have some plants that are antipathetic to leo some of the sympathetic ones will be uh, have like this enchantment quality they have these tricks they have a way of kind of grabbing your attention they're bold they're showy um they have a warm and drying qualities there's brightness there's gold colors there's yellow there's orange the antipathetic have uh we'll see like uh heart protective aspects something that is space maintaining signatures of rhythm a pump the pump of the heartbeat of the breath of the parasympathetic uh, the the uh, the antipathetic will be cooling and centering and i want to bring that up because i want i really want more and more people to just not have to rely on michelle and i as the authority on is this herb uh you know a leo herb and because you know we have our resources but i don't always go by what uh, nicholas culpepper or some of these other antiquated um herbals say i like to have the uh, creativity to explore this for myself. And I think that that's something I want to invite along. Um, sorry, my dog. It's not a cat. It would be much quieter if it was. But um, all right. And then also another uh, great uh, indication for the medicine of St. John's Word is, is in the botanical name. Epiricum perforatum, or hyper is Greek for above, over, icons, above the icon, above all of the icons. Um, and then what's an icon it's uh it's an idol it's it's a it's something that's false it's something that uh is not true to nature and uh something that we might give our attention to that's not true that looshes away our power and uh so in herbalism um some of the great medicine of St John's wort before the 90s the 90s uh people were talking about Um, St. John's Wort is like a quote-unquote antidepressant. Like, I need an herbal antidepressant, and it's it's fitting into that that right hand, or sorry, that left hand path of being like, you know, uh, herb for medical proprietary condition, and, and, and 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 people wanting to go with like an herbal route as opposed to. And prior to that, a lot of herbalists didn't really use St. John's Wort as a quote antidepressant herb. Uh, instead we think about depression in all different ways. And one of the ways that I would say is like somebody who's lost their light, somebody who's lost their path, like where does, where's the end of the, the tunnel, you know? Um, so point a present point B retirement, uh, you know, ha- happily ever after, love and marriage, whatever. And then the path gets broken up for whatever reason, the plant closes. So there goes the retirement or the, the relationship ends and somebody might have this darkness, like where, what's the, what's the direction now? You know, if you ever go down to, if you ever dive deep enough into the water, um, it's scary when you get to the point where you're like, which way is up? And uh, I really like calling on St. John's work for finding that light again and uh it does have spiritual like a spiritual light it does bring in opportunities it does pe- give people the ability to see that point at the end of the tunnel and i don't know what it is but now i have some faith that i can walk in that direction again and it's it's really interesting also for a type of depression that i would describe as seasonal affective disorder that's what people describe it as or sad <laughs> as as it's also written sad so here's an herb for you know being sad it's very uplifting it's very uh light and bright and one of the signatures i see for that is how the flower has what looks like little um uh fiber optic cables that are frayed off to me as as in like it's bringing this light information into the body through the nervous system and this is the primary remedy for st john's wort in herbalism is that it's an amazing healer between the relationship between nerves and circulation so when we have Leo we're not only working with the heart aspect and opening up and feeling joy and expressing our joy and uh, having the ability to take in all the experience and transmute that into joy but also working across with the Aquarius access and the the delivery of that you know in a uh, in a way that has you know working with the the furthest tips of the body the most peripheral way of delivering that information of light and what light is you know the con- the the condensation of light into a physical physical matter from its most spiritual point of view to its uh to like a physical thing could you go to the next slide please chance for a second and one last thing here i want to show if you look closely at this photo you could see little holes and this is indication of perforatum, which means it's like the leaf is like perfoliated. Like there's little tiny, tiny holes in there. And this is a great signature for me because I think of St. John's wort as um, a plant that'll help us hold our light, keep our light within us. And if you've ever looked at uh, into like spectrometer machines and stuff like that, you'll, there, there's experiments where you could take a leaf off of a plant and put it into a this spectrometer camera and you take a picture of it and it looks just like a a regular leaf, and they're, they're measuring the biophotons. You take the leaf off of a, the same plant, and you give it a little stress. You chew it up, you you know, you call it a name, you give it, the, flip it off, or something like that. And you put it under the camera, and you take a photo of it. And where that stress has been, it starts to leak out some of these biophotons. You take the third leaf, and you know, you really chew it up, and you punch it in the in the leaf, and you pick up some poop with it, and you, you just really treat it badly, and take a take a shot of it. And it's just like glowing. And what that says is that when, this, when an organism is under stress, it leaks its light. It's losing its light.
0: Um, that applies to human beings too.
3: Absolutely. Yep, it applies to human beings where we lose our light. Now, great, great masters can offer their light while maintaining and holding their light. But to me, this, the signature of St. John's Wort and these holes is like, where are all the little holes in our field? You know, when you do qi Gong and you measure your, your your qi egg and you're trying to bring your your mind's eye to, and then sometimes you're like, oh, there's little these little holes that people stuck, some shade that somebody threw in, a, a nasty comment on YouTube or something like that. And you just take these little arrows out. They're like, you have your shield and the arrows go in the shield. Huh, no problem. But then you still have those little arrows in the shield, right? And it's the same thing. It's like little points that that leak away our light. Those are icons. Those are idols. That's idolatry. That's giving away that light and attention to something that's not true. And so St. John's work to me is a great reminder of, to our body. It helps us helps our body. Remember to hold that light and hold on to that, the circulatory power of the light.
0: Brilliant stuff, man. Particularly interesting that you brought up the biophotons thing and about perforations in the aura that's there's so much to that like curling photography that is revealed psychic vampirism actually causes punctures like little dark tendrils come out of the energy drainers aura and puncture and perforate the i guess you'd say the uh, the victim's aura <laughs> that's a re- like that's a measurable phenomenon eating someone's light although like you said it's always about consent still I and mean, the other reason I wanted to touch on that biophoton and that shielding element is because the most common place where one's auric field might actually get perforated or become leaky, in my experience, is actually at the heart level. And it is in the back left region that is most common to have an issue because that's the, uh, you know, it's like your left armpit, your, the back of your left shoulder Sometimes up to the the left side of the the back part of the neck, <laughs> Eileen calls the left armpit the pit of despair, because that's where we take on sadness or grief or anger from other people and uh, or just bad vibes from the environment. A lot of people during cooties took on a lot of excess energetic darkness or uh, stagnant chi because of how well circulated all of the depression and and scariness was at the time. Yeah, Michelle, do you want to add to our uh, St. John's wort? Look, I bet you do.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, well Kyle, that was great because I love and I always love how you focus on the not typical things that are usually always talked about because I love how you bring up the, you know, the depression thing and it's always shoved in St. John's wort's the first one that goes, but you know, um For people, too, who are looking to use it that way. And if you are on any kind of medication, don't just um, stop your medication and then start taking St. John's Wort thinking that it's it's going to like, you know, make take the place because you may have to wean off of something and stuff like that. So just be cautious with that. It's kind of what I like to tell people, too. I really love using this plant fresh as well. Um, I think when you're making when you're making st john's wort medicine with fresh plant matter you're going to get a very scarlet deep red oil. Kyle demonstrated this in uh, the, his Leo box. He had a post about the oil, the St. John's wort oil that's in his anointing oil and it's red and it should be red and that is the hyperisum that you're seeing coming from that plant and you can you can get it when it's dry but it will never be as potent in my opinion um, because those essential oils, they really, they really uh, diminish once you start drying it um, but you could dry it and use it for tea and things like that. I just think it's more of effective um with uh when it's fresh and one of the other signatures that I always love about it and we spoke of Matthew Wood earlier but shout out to him I learned this from him is that if you look at St John's wort from the top down you'll notice that the plant makes like a cross there's crosses that go all the way down the plant and so it's another signature of St John's wort and it's kind of like esque sort of vibe that's going on so that's another thing to look for when you're trying to identify it there's also a lookalike out there which is usually more in the garden sections of plant areas because it's a false saint john's wort. the blossoms are quite large um and but it looks very similar it even has that same uh frayed pistol formation but it's a lot bigger and the leaves are a lot bigger so just a little um shout out to that if people are um you know going out and harvesting it there's a few indicators there if you find the false saint john's wort
3: you can actually tell if it's medicinal by taking the head of saint john's baptist wort. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's squeezing out the blood
1: yeah
4: Love that. Wow. I was just going to ask if there's something about the flower that is that has unique properties to the rest of the plant. You know, if the decapitation was intrinsic to its use.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And you can kind of see it in this photo a little bit. But when you're looking at the edges of the flowers, you'll see like Tiny, tiny, they almost look like black dots. Uh, that's where that hypericin lives. So you'll be able to, oh, shucks, you'll be able to uh, get that on your fingers. And then the perforations also hold an, an essential oil as well. So that's where that's at. And I always like to look at those perforations as like they're also a way through. You know, if you are in a state where you're not feeling so hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hello. You know, if you are in a state of not feeling so hot about certain things or you're wanting to work through traumas or things like that, I find St. John's War to be a really good companion because of that kind of gateway sort of thing that those perforations show you as well.
2: Just have to say, Kyle, uh, your boy looks like the kid on the sun card, ah. uh, you know, in a lot of classic versions of the sun card. And usually uh, the the kid is on a, a white horse in front of a brick wall and so
3: right yeah yeah so uh you're talking about
2: horse too oh right on nice
3: and he's Um, named after king david the 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 first king of the tribe of judah the lion there
2: you go there you go
0: you gotta recreate the the sun card while he's that size go find a white horse (laughs) make it happen
3: he's an Aquarian like me so that's where you get acro- across the way leo aspect but he's got a leo moon and he's a big he's got some big leo energy this boy
0: oh yeah full moon baby
3: he's a, <laughs> yeah, big, he's he also, a big baby yeah his hair matches those flowers he got two certificates today one from finishing swimming class one for finishing music class so he's he's uh not going to rest on his laurels with his uh, with his Leo achievements, but.
0: <laughs> Very cool. That's beautiful. So I have a few things I'll, I'll add in about St. John's work. It's such a, yeah, such a elaborate, so much to it. Actually, before that, though, there was something I wanted to say at the beginning of the stream. It was in my notes, but I never looked at my notes. So this is a good time to just take a little moment I'd like everybody here if you have your hands free or at least one hand free maybe even do that lion's paw thing <laughs> that was brought up put the hand or the hands over your heart just take a moment right now to feel the gratitude for the organ the the living conscious entity that is your heart and I if you need assistance feeling that gratitude Just consider this, the entire time you've been here, every year, every month, every day, every hour, every minute, it has never stopped beating. Or if it did, it started again pretty soon. (laughs) It is an amazing, amazing part of your life. And it will continue to have just that steady, always there for you, right at your center, powerful energy for the entirety of your incarnation. In fact, incarnation even has the car phonetic in it. So just want to make sure that the hearts get a little love and recognition because, man, they don't even, for being the Leo thing, they don't even ask for the recognition. They're going to do it one way or the other. Sometimes Leo's like, I'm not doing it until you at least tell me how good a job I'm doing or how great I am. (laughs) But the heart, I think, likes that. So now that we've... Giving thanks, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the name Hy- Hypericum. <laughs> That's the father of Western medicine, Hypernicus, is right there in the name, which is fascinating. And then the whole hyper meaning above is interesting with the context of St. John and his decapitated head. And the, the head was kind of like a head of Mimir thing, similar to the Norse. It's the head and the wisdom. It maybe even potentially spoke wisdom to the Templars if they allegedly had his head. And that whole um, etymology of hyper and icon, like above the icon, is possibly derived from an ancient tradition of hanging St. John's wart over pictures, typically religious pictures or spiritual in nature. And they would also hang it over door frames. It was all about protection against the evil and demons and for cleansing energetically. Other rituals I came across were throwing St. John's wort into the fire and leaping over the flames as a way to cleanse your body of evil spirits, which is, you know, what they considered sickness before germs were an idea. Uh, The Celtic St. John's wort traditions called it Sol Terrestis or the terrestrial sun. And it was known to protect people who were wandering in the woods from getting taken by the fairies or having tricks played on them by the fairies. And I also heard allegedly that the plant was so valued as a healer of wounds that there were sometimes battles that were fought in a time and relation to the location of the flowering St. John's wort. Because the power of it, the ability to potentially keep them the people from losing half the men in their village versus only losing a few meant that, you know, the rules of engagement were occasionally that we're going to fight near the St. John's wort so we can at least, you know, not have as bad of casualties, both sides. So that was a couple of folkloric fun elements. I have at least a little folklore about most of the herbs on the list. And, yeah, anyone else want to give any thoughts on on this one before we move I, forward?
3: I can comment on that because uh, I, I actually carry some of those uh, folk uh, methods through today. I put a bouquet of Hypericum above my door at the herb shop, along with uh, Yarrow, as for the purpose of protection. And it works. People will come in and they'll stand under it. And they, a lot of times you could feel their energy coming in. They have a, a negative thing. And it's I maintain my space just like I maintain my, my orc field here. I also maintain my herb shop. It's a really big extension of myself. And so I've, people will come in and they'll stand under that. And they'll just be like, ah, man, I'm out of here. And it happens all the time. And <laughs> it stops working after one year. It repels the demons. When, I know when it stops working because I get... Uh, let's just say breaches, <laughs> like intruders, you know, like people will come in with their negative energy and it'll start being weirder and weirder. There'll be solicitors and stuff like that. And, um, and so it's like, Oh yeah, I got to go get some more St. John's Wort and hang it up there and then whoosh, clears it up. And then there was another one that I was, oh, oh, elf shot is what I call it. When, when the, the elemental spirits are fucking with you. Um, I call it elf shot. Like they get their little tube and they they you know you're trampling around their territory and they and they they don't like you listening to your podcast while you're going through the woods or something like that and uh not being respectful so you get elf shot and sometimes you get just get turned around in the woods like oh, i think i've been here before um and so Saint calling on saint john's work for that but also it doesn't have to be like out there in the woods it's like where where are my keys i know i put them here somewhere you know like you just like that your keys end up Being where you normally put them anyway, and you look there a thousand times, but sometimes if I just conjure up the image of offering some St. John's wort, here you go to uh, St. Anthony and his way of delegating lost things to the, to the elementals. I don't know how it works, but it works. And so I definitely like uh, calling on St. John's wort for elf shot, I call it. (laughs) Another, another trick will be like turning your, your clothes inside out or putting your shoes on the wrong feet. Because the elves will just like, I can just imagine they're just like laughing, like they want poetry, they want something fun to happen, and they'll give you paths through their realm for making a fool of yourself, um, or offering St. John's Word as a gift. So those are my comments on that folklore that I've employed.
4: <laughs> Man, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. So next time I take my, lose my keys, I put my shirt on backwards.
3: Yeah, put your shirt on backwards. Put your uh, glasses on upside down. Just do something <laughs> that looks funny. You know? <laughs> oh, that is some dank advice. Oh my
4: gosh, I can't wait to try it, man. That's great advice. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's really good stuff, man. There's um, a great
0: sense. comment from Dylan here that hyper, if you look at it in Greek, could be upper or upper, and if right. you remove the vowel. Uh and okay. you swap the p to a b, which is very doable philologically you get o b r which is the three letters mm-hmm. in they give you Hebrew the word Hebrew in later dissension of language, which means man from beyond so that's interesting
4: that's Good super comment. interesting yes uh so uh some of my notes for for one the the thing about the thing above your door having an expiration date. Uh, that it only lasts for a year and then it start. you've got, uh, people start seeping through the, the, the spell makes me think of Abraxas, whose name is 365. The gematria of the isopsophy of Greek Abraxas is 365. And that, of course, is on the strength card, the tail of the, of the, of the lion there. But that's actually, uh, that's just you combine Leo with one of its minor deacons, which is Hydra, and you've got, a, a lion-headed snake god, Hydra plus Leo gives you a Abraxas, uh, right there on in the minor deacons of the zodiac. But then also a uh, hypericum Pet- perforatum is an HP. There's your uh, a high priest, uh, you know, one who is selected to go to the high place to commune with the higher powers. You know, so many things HP, and that's also. An eight and a seven, an 87, a uh, very mercurial number. Uh, and also, oh, um, so June 24th, right? That's the solstice. That's the pinnacle of the Analema. And then when you come down and you cross the X, that's the day that uh, John the Baptist was decapitated. So John the Baptist day is at the crown at the pinnacle. And then when you come down at the neck of the Analima, that cutting of the X at the bottom, that's the day that he lost his head. So we have all things John the Baptist are summer oriented. And that's just so perfect because he's a walking alchemy set. He's like a walking apothecary. You know, he's got like uh, uh, bugs inca- encapsulated in honey. The whole card in the in the rider wave deck, the whole card is encapsulated in honey. You know what I mean? And that's because he has these uh these insects uh, locusts that they capture in honey the whole thing is probably infused with opium and other mono pollinated you know potential medicines uh and then there's a Saint John the
0: astro theological element of the beehive cluster being and chem, camel camelopardus he has the camel uh hair shirt all of that he's wandering in the wilderness which is the you know the heavens where no man can go the metaphysical yeah. marty has a lot of really good stuff about uh john the baptist marty leads and the astrotheology of all those little details of his uh his story and the components of it
4: nice you know if you now uh i just want to mention the saint john's war is not the same as artemisia right two different things right Two different yeah, things. St. Well, John's wort
3: and, and mugwort, also called sometimes St. John's herb. Uh-huh. Both have oh. like an association with St. John the Baptist. But Okay, well this is interesting because when you take S off of the word St. John, it becomes
4: Tujon. t John And Tujon is one of the ingredients in absinthe, uh, which I think is artemisia, right? Am I right? Tujon is artemisia.
1: Yep. Wormwood specifically, but same family okay. as mugwort. Yes, definitely.
4: Oh, okay. So I'm in the same umbrella, but I'm like just off on the ingredient list by a degree.
1: No. Yeah. But you're right on. It's, there's totally the huge connection here.
4: Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. So I think, um uh, uh, and another thing, you know, he, uh, he does those baptisms outside of the city down by the river. He's in the, he's in the public. He's out in the wilderness, uh, uh, Yeah. So we're looking at initiation, you know, we're uh, the initiation of the summer there with that some June 24. Oh, and some baptizes too in a fun way, like, you know, when you're when you're uh, bathing in sunlight, that's a baptism of its own, right?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great point, actually. Love these connections, as always.
0: It's uh, storming here all day and the thunder is rumbling. It's like the sky is roaring at us right now here. It's great.
1: Nice. We've had some actual thunderstorms over the past last weekend and we never get thunderstorms here. It's actually pretty epic. It was very cool.
0: But if I vanish because of like a power outage, just carry on. The stream should continue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Well, and here we are with Motherwort, Leonaris Cardiaca also known as lion hearted. Sometimes you'll hear it named lion's tail, but we're going to talk about a plant called lion's tail later. But sometimes you'll see mother wart referred to that. Um, This is one of my all time favorite plants. I've talked about it quite a bit. People who uh, know me in any way probably have heard me talk about this one. But man, you have to uh, honor it when it comes to Leo because she's all about the heart. And she is in the mint family. And a lot of times the mint family plants bring us a lot of calm. So that is one of her best attributes, in my opinion, is calming the heart, calming feelings of panic and fear, uncertainty, grief and shame. And the way I like to look at this is Mother Wart, she brings the comfort that only a mother can. And sometimes that might not translate to somebody. Maybe somebody had a really bad relationship with their mother. A way to look at it is that she's the primordial mother. She's the mother goddess that we all are connected to. So you can't deny these qualities of a mother, whether or not your mother gave you those nurturing, warm feelings or not. This plant will. So that's how plants work in my eyes. And I feel like... Um, All of us here can probably say the same that they can take place for, um, you know, people or things, uh, emotions that you might not be able to grip as hard or you might have a harder time translating something or remembering a, a memory of somebody that brought these feelings. But a plant like motherwort can do that. And for me, this is a plant that I worked with a lot and I still work with. I've got her right here. I take Mother Warp before every stream because she really does just bring calm to to any sort of feelings of uncertainty. Um, if you have heart palpitations, if you're having panic attacks, um, with, with sometimes a few drops, Mother Warp can really bring you down. And I found her to be very valuable while I was going through... I would call it dark night of the soul kind of stuff Uh, when you're doing a lot of trauma work, when you're experiencing loss. She is somebody that you can call on and uh, bring to you and she will really just bring the comfort that you need sometimes too, when you're in these states of feeling really down and stuff we can kind of get lost in those feelings and it might take you out of the game for a second. One of the things I find mother work great for is she helps you to mother up, so to say. Mm -hmm. So she kind of helps you step back into that role that a mother needs to do. She needs to take care of herself so that she can take care of everybody around her needs to make sure her her home is in order that she is present and here so that she can be present for the other people so that they can be present if that makes sense so it's just this like continuation this cycle that i see motherwort having um you know she also has when you look at the stock here you can kind of see it in this photo but there's if you touch motherwort, it's spiky and it can actually be pretty painful. And so it always reminds me of how a mother can be so soft and warm and welcoming. But if you do something to upset her or whatever, she's going to snap <laughs> and she'll show you her teeth or she might have to bring out her spike to, to teach you a lesson. So I feel like the spikiness of this plant, which is particularly on like where the seed pods form and stuff, um, is kind of a reminder to be gentle, to be gentle with yourself be gentle with motherwort and to not take her for granted because if you do you know not so fun things happen really um let's see what i have else here um oh this is just a wonderful uh ally for women in general men too but this is a regulator for menstruation for feelings of you know um Angst, or you're he- maybe heading into menopause. Maybe you're in menopause. You're having hot flashes. This is a great remedy for that to bring cooling to those times. Um, and I find it really just to be very bitter. It is bitter. I don't find that only. <laughs> it's just bitter. That is the that is the fact of the matter. So not very good as tea. But taking this as a tincture can also help stimulate digestion and things. Can help relieve bloating, gas. Um, all of those things that kind of come along with maybe like ovulation, you know, uh, PMSy kind of kind of times in life as well um, can sometimes cause flooding. Uh, so if you're a lady who tends to bleed a lot when she is menstruating, you might want to taper off on on mother wart, you know, before your period or during your period, um, and shouldn't be taken when you're when you're pregnant because it's an emmenagogue, which we've talked about before, which brings warmth. And heat and blood to the pelvic region, which is one of the reasons why it's really great for, um, you know, helping to ease cramping as well.
0: I want to share some uh, kind of personal stuff about mother wart. Mm -hmm. So we haven't talked about I, I haven't brought this up on any streams or anything, but you may if you've been following for a while, remembered me getting pretty excited because me and my wife, Jennifer, were expecting and in um i think around the 20 early 20s of uh, july we had a, t- a kind of an accident that caused us to lose the pregnancy and obviously there's a ton of feeling of guilt and sadness about that particularly even more difficult for my wife who had you know the bodily aspect of it going on as well and Kyle sent us a really generous package of a yarrow uh hydrosol, and particularly great was the uh yarrow and motherwort tincture that he gave and Just as an example of how powerful this medicine is the you know the first couple of days that she was taking it, there were a lot of emotions that started to uncork, and you know it kind of. Felt like things were worse for a, a day or or maybe a day and a half, but then everything sort of evened out, and it was like all of the all of the sense of things being on hold and being on pause that had lasted, you know, a, almost uh, felt like almost two weeks, you know, a long time, relatively speaking, of life kind of just being on hold while we're in some ways while we were dealing with the difficulty and of that grief mother motherwort seems like it just helped us finish what we needed to go through not that there won't potentially be little aftershocks and ripples but it was an extremely good healer <laughs> extremely good we appreciate that medicine kyle and um, we're you know now we're back in our normal flow of loving and enjoying life and excited for what the future can bring and knowing and trusting that that was just what was meant to happen. And we needed that experience in that way. And it's all, it's all good. And it's all part of the divine plan. But, you know, we brought up saints a little bit and uh St. John, St. John, one thing that was really interesting the morning after, you know, overnight we had lost the pregnancy. Jennifer got a phone call from a random number and she's just brand new to having a united states based phone number so she's not really on any lists for solicitation or anything <laughs> hasn't had a chance to start getting a lot of telemarketers but the morning after our you know gr- dark night of the soul so to speak the she got a she got a random missed call from a number from saint joseph missouri the town of missouri and saint joseph is the saint of but the patron of the unborn who is one who guides and cares for and offers healing and forgiveness for people who've experienced the loss of a, an unborn baby. So there's like some kind of legitimacy to this idea of the saints, whether it's a kind of like collective psychic egregore, it's a way through symbolism that the creator can just reach out and touch us and say, it's all okay. It's part of, Part of my plan, or I don't know what, but it was a very powerful thing to notice that, you know, the saint that is exactly for the situation we were in called us in a way that morning is a little nudge. So very powerful.
4: You know, uh, I have a long lost biological brother. His name is Joseph. Uh, and I think that Joseph. Chance is the Ophiuchus, I think, you know, that's a we've 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 put forward before that Joseph is wrapped by Ophiuchus in the sky clock.
0: Well, there's a couple of biblical Josephs, but yeah, thunder is rumbling as I'm telling that story. Thanks, everybody, for letting me share that It's kind of been on my chest, so to speak. I haven't really told the, the world as much yet. Maybe telegram people knew. But uh, we're doing well. And then we appreciate all the love and well wishes we received and the support and all the people that let us know how normal that experience is or how common it is and how people can easily have children after that. And you know, we were in the mode of a happy accident. But as uh, my buddy Gardner told me, it's like we're more the type to uh, intent, put the intention in and do it on purpose. So it was, I think that experience was just to show us that it's, we're ready and that's what we want. And, uh, we're, I think we're going to go for a Leo baby <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right. a little yeah. while
0: to, to make that happen.
3: <laughs> nice chance, man. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful story. Uh, there's so many people that are healed by just listening into the things that you share and you're so open with and, uh, taking things off your chest in Leo season and uh so I, I love you and i love jennifer as well and i and um thank you so much for sharing that hey i i got i got i just ran to the garden and i got some mother wort here and i just wanted to reinforce a little bit about what michelle was saying she was saying you can't see it so much on the picture but one of the th- there's a couple signatures too we have the three points here and that's usually an indication for fertility there's the trinity you know the mother child and uh father so, so to speak we have this very obvious signature of the rhythm of the heart pump 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 pump
0: Wow, it looks like an ekg if you just oh, did the outline
3: right yeah
0: that's crazy
3: as, as you see it up here we're in, in flower beautiful Venusian, little pink flowers and as we get down here like these little spiky balls they're they're not going to make you bleed, and they're not going to sting you like nettle. They're corrective. They make you become presently aware. And that's another thing that I love to, like motherwort is probably the most made medicine. That's the medicine that I make more than anything else. And so uh, one of the things I always like to teach about motherwort is that when you're, when some, this is a, a plant that I call time out of mind for people who are thinking about something in the past and it's presently affecting their physiology. They're thinking about, they're, not, they're giving their body the signal to fight or run or assess. And it's kind of holding that tension space um, or not even that, but in the future, oh my God, like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna say on Vibrant tonight? I can't sleep. I'm so excited and not being present, right? And then when the, the, the antidote for that is like Michelle said, you take a bite of mother warp. And it's so bitter. It's so bitter. Bitters make things flow, but they also make them flow right down right here. Like there's nowhere else I could go if I tried right now. My, my like my body is, has to <laughs> be with this flavor. I'm going to try to go to the beach in Florida. Oh, I can't. I'm going to try. <laughs> my mind can only be present with this and that's the flavor of it. So that's what it does for, for our body is it not only offers that space maintaining in this toroidal field look at that torus it's like a beautiful torus field there and um around the stalk like the heart field it makes it a little prickly for anybody that wants to come in to our to our grieving space and then it lets everything just flow presently brings us back to our rhythm brings us back to our presence in that motherly corrective kind of way you know it's awesome I, i'm so glad that michelle was like, i'm going to talk about motherwort because yeah this is one of my one of my very most utilized herbs for sure it's a great one for anxiety of the mind as well and so yeah of course you know lots of lots of uh uses for it in women and pregnancy and stuff like that too but fellas you know if you're feeling out of out of presence out of being here in the moment get yourself a little motherwort tincture it's great you know, I I wonder about the power of
4: the, these medicines when, when you are compelled, upon tasting them, to say, Ooh, that's bitter. <laughs> Everything is bitter now. I feel bitter. I'm so much bitter now. Better. You're hearing it, aren't you? Hmm? Now, I don't want to take the magic out of that. Spell, but that has worked for generations past, and will, and even if we forget, I said it tonight, it's going to happen for generations to come. That a person is they are experientially confirming that they are experiencing bitterness in that moment. I just wanted to say that, and I, was, I, I we want to walk away because it may be better not to focus too much on the magic.
3: Let me give one more. My mind, my mind was anywhere but here, <laughs> but now it's here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will I I feel like I'm going to ruin the ruin the punchline, but it's also batter,
4: right? <laughs> it's <Yeah. badder.
0: laughs> but no, I, I love tastes, that.
4: That's, everything tastes batter. It's better than being sick. <laughs> so you thought <think> about that. <laughs>
0: Uh, Some fun things about motherwort were that there's folklore wisdom that says that you want to brew motherwort into a tea and strain it and put the liquid into your bath or into the rinse water when you're laundering the family underwear and socks, specifically underwear. So it's probably something Mormons do for their magic underwear and they just kept it a secret. Oh, my gosh. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hold on. Somebody Uh, try that and report back to me. Mother Motherwort underwear. Okay, this—that's Hades. His first, his her,
4: his first fling was uh, n- n- her name. It translates to mint. His first lady, her name is the Greek uh, root word for, that translates to mint, and so this is the the his side his his early love. And she's uh, in the underwear, right? We're in the underworld. We are in the wear, the the undergarments. Um, I think there's something to that, that, uh, you know, the Mormons had sacred underwear, you know, and Hades is the undertaker. I think there's something going on with these sacred undergarments being anointed.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna get lost trying to look into that seat. But <laughs>
4: I don't. I I don't want mintilated underwear, though. Yeah. I gotta say, it kind of sounds dangerous.
0: Oh, they also say you can, instead of covering, you know, your junk with motherwort juice, to just keep a packet of it hidden with family photos. So it's just somewhere in a hidden, protected location, motherwort with the photos of the people that you consider deer that you want to be blessed and protected. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, Kyle, can I play these angelica clips before we get into angelica?
3: Let me set them up. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about angelica as a, I mean, the, the, the common name of the plant is angelica. It's also the botanical name and rightfully so it is. It is very much connected to this psychopomp angel. Um, and In in the ways that we can imagine an angel as a messenger, as a messenger of God in the field, uh, as and also as the the guardian angel, the placenta. And so I want to show I I put some uh, in the vibrant call in line telegram chat. I put uh, two, you know, 20 second videos, one of them with the the whole profile of Angelica. And I want you to take a look at the leaves as it passes through the leaves. There's almost like little specks of angelic light all throughout this plant that if you look straight at it, you can't really see it, but it's kind of like a side of of vision kind of specks of light all throughout the tips of the plant. And also the signature of how the head comes out of the stalk, which is going to be a great significant signature for, uh, I'll get to that, but it has a lot to do with birth and placenta. Okay. (laughs) So go ahead. And I'll tell you about placenta. Okay, so I'll do, this is the look at that. This is the unbloomed, and it looks like this membrane is like a vaginal lips. So the crowning head coming through. Uh, Angelica, you see the, the purplish stem. This is Angelica arteropurpurea. And the purple stem is a, a great signature for stagnation of blood, movement of blood, which is one of the greatest virtues of this planet, moves blood. If you just get a glimpse of the leaf, you can't really see it so much on this one, but every once in a while it just catches the light, and you see the little tiny glimmers at the at the termination of the leaflets. And you'll see that especially more in the other one. So here's a story about like, okay, here's Angelica in its beautiful conical stalk. And moving down to the leaf. Oh, yeah, there's just the little glimmers of of light there. It's really, really subtle. Um and and maybe in a in in person you would see this much better. This plant gets seven, eight, nine, ten feet tall. It is angelic on the field, very angelic on the field, and it has a lot of connection with uh, the angels. In fact, like um, the name Angelica comes from a i don't know copy and pasted history account you know there's so many people that are guilty of that you see those little tiny little specks of light that are moving through um and uh basically the the copy and pasted account is once upon a time and the plague the black plague of northern europe um a man or woman or living person came in contact with Maybe an incarnation of the angel, the angle of the sun was just right. Ah, what is that bright, beautiful plant that's just so big and showy? And it was supposedly in the incarnation, the staff of of uh, Archangel Michael coming down to say, "I'm going to fix this plague." Well, in your previous Vibrant episode, you guys really did a nice little. Uh, uh, just a little, you brought, you brought a lot of suspicion to what the word plague could be. This isn't me and my herb walk. I just thought Leo energy, you know, show me me and me, uh, pointing to how the size of this, the this stock here.
0: Dude, that plague oh. revelation was a mind blower. I think that's yeah. got that plague idea has legs. <laughs> I'll let you unravel it though, for people that weren't there.
3: Yeah. So, um, just, okay. The 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 angelica came in this guy's dream, or he saw it in the field, and it said, "I'm the cure for the plague," and so that's where it's got its reputation. It's like the this cure all, and in a lot of old herbals, uh, it said that angelica can can fix any affliction, right? So it has this like very very powerful association with just about anything. Well, uh, whatever the the plague was, uh, the bubonic plague, knowing bringing germ theory into question of it's funny if you look at the uh, the wikipedia page it says you know it's spread by uh rats and fleas and person-to-person citation needed uh so yeah we're gonna need that citation there buddy uh we're gonna need that citation of person-to-person can people get sick from living in squalor of course can they get sick by living next to rats and fleas of course could they get sick lots of poop could they get sick person-to-person sure could they get sick person-to-person because of an alleged uh you know you know germ or something like that well citation needed right so can uh, somebody come into an area and take away a population who is like very closely connected to the land and they're living you know with their spiritual elements this plant being one of them and uh, having that spirituality suppl- supplanted with um let's say the roman church or with a asiatic horde or something like that okay so there's pers- there's your person to person um and then this plant also is, it's a sacred plant to um, the Laplanders, northern Finland. I'm, I'm hoping Mario's bells are starting to ring here, because this is a very polar-like plant. It's uh, up there. There's not a lot of trees, but it's one of its names is ground ash, ash being the Yggdrasil, the, the tree of life. And so here's a very tall tree that you'll see on the plains. It has this, like, uh, elements of the firmament of the stars uh and then here this is this is the the hollow tube right here so here's the tube of angelica a lot of times it's used as a flute but as you can see whenever there is a stalk that has such a hollowness to it this is always a signature for psychopomp between realms going between this realm to that now what realm it's the messenger it's the angelic messenger so it's going from our our earthly realm to a heavenly realm bringing the messages of god from or purifying the blood it's it's a great heart warmer it's a great detoxifier it moves the blood it's warming and it's bitter so plants that are warming and bitter are very fantastic in herbal medicine because they work on the parasympathetic and the sympathetic uh, nervous system they equalize the blood they move things out um and so that would be good for uh, ch- chest congestion in general, heart congestion. And in Ayurvedic medicine, the word is, uh, the, the Sanskrit word for this is chiroca. Cheroka, sounds like ch- Cherokee, Charaka, Chiro- yeah, Charaka sounds like Cherokee. And uh, chiroca is, they in, Ar- in Ayurveda, this plant is not used so much for its physical elements of purifying the, moving the um menstrual blood pooling blood in the bottom of the of the body and moving blood in the heart but it's used more for pacifying the wind and pacifying the um the the earth so kapha and um the vata doshas so it's helpful for psychosis and getting people off their ass and being lazy so this going back to finland now for a second uh this was called bear root and the reason why is because the people would observe, the Sami people would observe that the big, big bears going, yep, or, or some major, yep. Uh, the big bears would go uh, into their caves in the wintertime, and they were big, kafa like earthy beings. And they would come out in the springtime when this plant is blooming in the, in around Beltane, by the way. And uh, the first thing that they would find is aromatic roots to move their digestion and get them going. So you have the archetype of the bear in its big form and it's emaciated, let's say vata, just got back from the un, like the dreamland world. This is the vata. This is what vatas are always doing. They're like, how do I convey this information? It's like, man, you got to eat first. <laughs> That's the first thing you got to do. And uh, so Angelica is a great pacifier of psychosis. And I think it is like probably the best spellbreaker plant um, it's my herb of the week and my herb of the week series. And I just myself had Angelica come to me in a in a lucid dream state, and it get it gave me um a remedy for something that I think is completely original. I've never heard any other herbalist talk about this remedy. And I think that Angelica, this is what it told me. Because it's a remedy for psychosis and for cutting the bullshit and for moving things out and purifying things and having a bold heart and being rooted and moving between the realms. It's a remedy for the alien psyop. (laughs) So we're going to need some herbs for that, y'all. And I think we could start with Angelica. This is one that I was recommending to a lot of people in March and April of 2020 for this reason, because I think it's a great plant for clarity and clarifying and seeing breaking spells. Uh, it's in the carrot family, so it's got the um umbrella-like aspect. And then here's my final story on An- Angelica before I turn it over. My When my son was born on in February, it was a cold night, cold day. Uh, baby was delivered. I have him in my arms, hand him to his mom. The first thing that we administered to her was two uh, milliliters of Angelica root tincture. Why? Because it births the placenta and it has all of these signatures of the placenta it has that polar tree symbolism looking from down to above it has the 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 the, the birthing symbolism of the head moving up from the stem and so this was the la- the last uh meal i should say that they enjoyed together as mother and child unit before that guardian angel was del- was what's the word not delivered emerged um, I have to keep correcting my language away from the legal stuff. You know how it goes, y'all, but m- emerged, uh, as a guardian angel with, for, for my son. And so I like to call on Angelica as well to, um, heal the relationship that we have with our own placenta. I think that this, this is a really good plant to work with. And so I know there's a lot of weird stuff, aliens your long lost placenta. But here's one last weird one is that I put a drop of this into vinegar when I boil it to clear the chemtrails as like calling upon uh, my Archangel Michael to like totally crush, you know, cause he's a real crusher. And, um, and it works. It works really well for me. When I, when I use my little tiny intention, intentional potions, um, just a drop of Angelica, how could a drop change the sky? I don't know. Um, <laughs> thy will be done, you know, not my will be done. That's kind of the I will Leo thing. Um, so yeah, that's all I got on. Uh, that's not all I got on Angelica, but that's all I'll say.
2: <laughs> excellent, excellent. I love it, man. And yeah, my uh, Ursa Major senses were absolutely tingling. Very cool. Uh, I'd love to chime in about a couple things here. Um, when you were talking about bear root. And you're talking about the polar stuff. Obviously, I am thinking about Ursa Major Minor. Um, And I learned something pretty cool recently. And I shared this with Slick because we were on a a show recently together. But uh, I came across a quote reading a very polar centric book that I thought was very interesting and unlocked something regarding um, angelic symbolism, I would say. And so the quote is, Fourteen is the number of the two seven-star constellations revolving around the interstellar axis. And so what the author is referring to is the uh, seven stars of Ursa Major, the seven stars of uh, Ursa Minor. Combined, you have 14 stars. Well, it's interesting because both of those constellations, right, are dippers. So they're vessels. And the number 14 relates to... The Temperance card, which what do you see in the Temperance card? You see an angelic figure. And what is she doing? She's pouring one vessel. Um, she's pouring liquid from one vessel to the other. There's one above and there's one below. When you are studying Ursa Major and Minor, the Dippers, the Big Dipper and Little Dipper, you'll notice that because they're constantly revolving around the Pole Star, and because of how they're actually situated in the sky, what you're seeing is this perpetual pouring of from one to the other as it revolves around the North star. And so when I see now these two vessels in the temperance card, the art card, that's what I believe they're actually referencing. You know, I think that's the polar sort of uh decode with all of that. So I just had to throw that all out there, given the fact that you brought up bears, polar symbolism, angels, all that kind of stuff. That, that's what I'm thinking of.
0: Brilliant. That's so cool, the alien psyop thing. Cause if I was to put as someone that's looked into most fringe things pretty far, or at least, you know, I had my ear to the ground about them for quite a long time. If there was any reality to aliens, it seems to be more aligned with demonic activity than little green men from Mars. So for Angelica to be something that you could use with that, it actually really just fits into the theme of the fairy folk, the fey folk. And uh, the other thing I found about Angelica was that you might be able to use it as a journey medicine to open the mind for divination purposes, prophetic visions, shamanic journey work, perhaps
3: by burning it as an incense. Does that sound right, Kyle? It's fantastic as an instance. It really does light up your the connection between your higher and your animal self. It really does bridge that gap like like that. Um, m- moving from one one realm, the underground realm to the above ground realm. It's beautiful. So up, Marty?
0: Uh, Marty says, so what I hear from Dr. Denton is I should roll up a monster joint of Angelica if I'm suffering from alien belief syndrome. This is the wisdom I tune in for. Much love to all the inner Thanks for the uh, super chat there. Gnostic Academy. Everyone check out that channel. It's definitely worth a subscription and be there for their Sunday morning sermons. Really good stuff. Now, yeah. I'm going since you know, there's this signature of psychopomp plants with the hollow tube thing. Gabe, are you actually hollow on the inside? Are you like a tube man? I've never looked in, you know, underneath your exterior to know. (laughs) When I fly. (laughs) But seriously, that is a really, uh, really cool signature of plants with the hollow stalk like that. Um, That's going to stick with me as a awareness in case I ever need to do some psychopompy emergency style. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, you know,
4: for me, that hits. uh, Uterpe, the muse of music, and <laughs> uh, uh, who is number three uh, associated with Eryximachus? Who is the um, the healer in the symposium? Uh, Uterpe, and so she's always got a flute, and um, in my project, that's also uh, card number three position number 3 right is the empress card and she's holding that lotus flower and the lotus flower has a in the thoth deck has a pronounced uh stalk that looks just like what you were holding there and i've associated that also with the flute uh so that's really beautiful and i even made a passing comment just kind of you know on my little project that it would be like a a breathing tube for a ninja which is kind of—I was just being silly, but it's kind of cool because that's the the bridge between worlds. You know, it allows you to be in the uh, down in the underworld to breathe, even while you're down under there. So it's kind of neat that you're talking about it as a psychopomp symbol.
0: Anytime you can bring up ninjas, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And um, also,
4: I I got to say the placenta part is so awesome. It's so awesome because of the pinwheel aspect of the nature of the plant. It's so awesome. Yeah. It like accentuates the umbilicus, you know, the value of the umbilicus in all ways. I love that.
2: Um, So I was just going to say, you can find older illustrations of Mercury Hermes with a flute. He's playing the flute. Right. And uh, same thing with Pan. He'll play a flute. And there's a lot of symbolic similarities, in my opinion, with Hermes and Pan as well. And it's actually funny that this is coming up because I just recently looked into um, the mythology of the Pied Piper. Very, very interesting. Gabe, have you looked into that ever? Any of you guys? It's fascinating. I can't believe I had never really decoded it before. I'm not going to get into the whole storyline or whatever, but obviously the, the... the pipe, the flute, is a big part of the story, um, leading 130 children away from their village to a mountain, um, into a cave. And that's what happens when you don't pay the Pied Piper. Um, right. And so to me, the Pied Piper is very much a mercurial sort of figure. And Mercury, as I've said for a long time, right, relates to the phallus, phallic <laughs> sort of energy. Um, And I'm kind of just reminded, too, you know, I always like to say that it's all about poles and holes symbolically. And when Kyle was holding up that stock, that hollow stock, it's like the pole is the hole. The hole is the pole. (laughs) So there's actually kind of like no difference between the two. The more and more and more I consider it and think about it and do research on it, you know, they're one in the
4: same. It totally is. It's it's one in both. Sounds like you read a very detailed account of the Pied Piper with 130 kids in particular. but. I, I always, the Pied Piper rings so similar to the dancing plague that I, I always have. I've always had this idea that there was a long time frame in history where people had no art. They just did not have art or, or they had very limited access to art and they had only certain type of music and they had, you know, they didn't have like a, a vast experience of what music could be. And so when, uh, when a concentrated form of artistic expression, like a dancer or like a traveling uh, theatrical uh, group comes through town, there's these they seed the consciousness of these people who don't consume culture all day mm. long constantly. And so by just passing through town like Gandalf, they leave these ideas and these, imagi- these things in their minds uh, that can later on come to life in the form of a dancing plague or uh uh whatever that what was the other example we were just saying
2: it's interesting though that you talk about leading the children to the mountain
4: that's it yes oh yeah so a guy comes along and he's singing on a song with a different kind of musical cadence the kids have never heard this this instrument before and, and he's dancing they've never danced before and all of a sudden their uh sympathetic magic kicks in and they're compelled to follow along and to do what he does, because it looks like fun. It's like, uh, and it's also got um. It's uh, the Huck Finn, where he tricks the guy into painting the fence for him, kind of thing. Sympathetic mm. magic. That's, an, uh, that's kind of... Stuff. The Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man, too. Ooh, Damn! That's a good
0: Damn. one. Check wow. this out, Gabe. You're talking about cultural impact on the youth, essentially. The Urban Dictionary Definition of Pied is that is an acronym: porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Whoa! And that's something influencing the youth more and more, like you know, people very young.
4: Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a pope that just passed away. Is a rat singer. The Pied Piper is a rat singer. Bing, that's bing, it. bing, bing. Exactly. It was. It was right there in his name all along, y'all
2: nice nice dude that's a great connection for sure
4: now now there's something about the ice this was kind of a weave uh my mind is in a lot of places right now dylan hold on what are you talking about
0: dylan said the word syringe comes from the latin word syrinx meaning a reed tube pipe reed pipe pan pipe
4: whoa wow i think we just hit a real chord in the medicinal history like you know like where does the real first syringe come from? I've always wondered this. And I've even thought that they might have used um a porcupine needle. Like wouldn't a porcupine needle be like the the most uh quick access natural syringe? Um but for medicinal uses like you do, you got you have to have a means to inject things. So the, yeah, the the flute and uh oh my gosh, there's even the medicinal snus right? They're using the medicinal snus is an old shamanistic way to heal people to like blow the stuff up in their nose. So we really are looking at the implement of the medicinal industry, like they need these vessels that get into your vessels that convey the information so the body can heal. Um. Oh, man, uh, I don't have the light on, but Euterpe and Eryximachus, oh, okay, okay, it's all coming back to me. I think Eryximachus' name, I think his name is actually encoding, um, I think there's runes in here, guys. The rune for ice is, uh, it's like a letter one, but... Isa. Isa, in reverse. The letter for ice is Isa, in reverse. It is a flute. The shape oh, of sure. the broom is the flute. Oh, and yeah. so original, is a ritual is an an the Arabic world name axis Christ.
0: Misa well. is a word meaning savior and is the root of the icer or the acer. Yes. Words for the top God in many cultures. So everything
4: we're pointing at with these words, all of our words are like a flute finger pointing phallus, pointing at this number three Oryxamachus character, who I do, guys. I think the runes are actually part of the crack in this code. Where is it? There we go. Oryxamachus. He's the number three savior healer. His muse is Euterpe. But this is the muse of ice. Mm. Music, M U S I C. This is the muse of ice, and I think this ISA and the flute and the one and the rune uh, figure is all baked into this uh, this character in the position number three. And I'm pretty sure three is the number one triangular number. So mm. the the 130 kids, the 13 moon cycles, the one to the three reduction. It's all kind of cooking down in a really fascinating way around Eryxomachus, the Greek patriarch of healing and medicine.
2: Ooh, very interesting, dude. Yeah, I want to pull at this one a little bit more at some point, you know. <laughs> but we actually just talked to a rune woman um, yesterday. Her name's Ingrid Kincaid. And we talked about Issa specifically because That's- it's... That's when yeah. it came to me. That's oh, totally, nice. I, was,
4: I was in the bleachers like, oh my gosh, ice, <laughs> muse, ick, muse, ice, the muse of ice and music. And the, oh, it was crazy. Perfect,
2: perfect. I love it. Uh, just real quick too, just want to say that the uh, Pied Piper business, I'm interested in the mythology right now because I'm doing a Beatles sort of deep dive. We're going to talk about it on last Thursday. <laughs> on Thursday, there's a lots of interesting psyopy stuff going on with that. But some people have put forward that um, especially with their uh, Sergeant Pepper's album and, and kind of just their get ups and everything is that they are the Pied Pipers. They're the children. Um, they are leading the children away from the village with their music and everything else. So I think there's something to be said about that. Also kind of relates to shepherd symbolism, which gets um, really into the nuanced sort of details about what happened with the Beatles and Paul McCartney and things like that. But uh, I think it's all related. Anyways, great stuff, dude
0: and now back to the plants <laughs> that's, that's awesome. why everyone loves this series is because the tangents you never know when they're going to strike and then they go they go wild
1: yeah we go everywhere it's cool yeah
0: it's really that cool. was a big one
1: well sunflower we had to talk about sunflower here we are just looking at them brings joy i i I see a lion in this flower, really, personally. I see the lion's mane in the petals. I see a face. And then if you look sunflower up online, too, a lot of people will actually like take some of the seed, like the where the seeds would be, and they'll create a smile or eyes or whatever. And then it really looks like a lion. But this is one of my favorite flowers to grow, actually. And ours aren't quite open yet. Otherwise, I would have brought some in. But I did show the calendula earlier and sunflower and calendula are in the same family, which is a huge family, the Asteraceae family, which is a daisy family. And one of the same uh, one of the similarities those two have is that they both produce sort of like a resin. Right. They do. It is a resin. And if you ever harvest calendula or you harvest sunflower, you'll feel that stickiness on your fingers afterwards. And. I bet, I don't know if Kyle, if you've ever used sunflower resin in an incense, but I bet it would be freaking awesome because sunflowers, they smell really nice and I really love the smell of them. There's a warm resinous scent to them. Um, I really love cooking with sunflower, sunflower seeds in particular. Um, one of the more, you know, readily available seeds, but you can do so many things with them because you can soak the seeds and then you can grind them into a paste and you can make, you know, some kind of like vegan sunflower cheese if you if you would like. Um, I have a great recipe for a sunflower pate, which is kind of the same um, idea, but you're also using potato and um, a lot of nice spices so there's a lot of just really great medicinal value in the seeds as well very high in vitamin e that's one of the things that sunflower is really well known for and you know sunflower and other seed oils i feel like over the last like handful of years get a really bad rap um, and i don't know if uh, a lot of people will say don't eat them they're inflammatory things like that and i think one of the most important things about that whole thing is just to find very high quality, cold pressed, organic seed oils. Um, and sunflower seed oil as a carrier or an oil to make medicine with is really great. One of the reasons why is because it's really light. Another reason why it's great is because it has a very low scent profile. So if you're wanting to infuse something like lavender, or rosemary, something that has a very high scent point to it. Sunflower oil is a really good go to for that because it's going to really impart the scent into the oil. And you're not going to have something, you know, overpowering the scent like olive oil would or something like that. Now, one of the things I learned about this is that it's known as the fourth sister, particularly with uh, Native American tribes. And they would plant sunflowers on the north ends of their garden beds and they would plant it among corn squash and beans corn squash and beans are the other three sisters so this is kind of like the fourth sister of a main crop that would be used for food and nourishment and medicine because all of those plants also have medicinal properties too And you can use the leaves actually as compresses to kind of, you know, if you're having maybe a skin rash of some kind or any kind of inflammation that's on the surface level, you could grind up the leaves and use it as a poultice. And you can kind of see in this photo, it actually has sort of a heart shape here, too. When I see sunflowers, I see strength, and I see boldness, and I see hardiness, and when you grow sunflowers, or even if you don't grow them, or, or you get to be in the presence of them, and you just touch their stalk, they are so just strong and resilient, and they can waver in the wind, and they can bounce back, and they can become very heavy, but they can actually support their own weight, because these top flower heads that's where all the seeds come and so they can get really heavy and so it's it's really interesting to see the life cycle of a sunflower too um, and how the young sunflowers typically follow the sun uh, and you can watch it throughout the day that happening and that's always really nice It's very nice to be able to harvest these and harvest the seeds. But also, if you have an abundance of them, you know, you can leave them for the birds because the birds just go nuts as the fall comes. They will just go crazy for this. One of the other things I learned recently is that the Aztecs uh, called this a shield flower. And because of its correlation with the sun, they would actually use this as a means to, um, like, honor the war gods. And when you hold a sunflower in your hand, if you ever cut off the flower itself, you really do feel that protection, that shielding that could come. So there's a lot of like little clay, um, medallions that I found that have sunflowers on them. In Mexico City, a lot of times sunflowers will be left on altars uh, just to show the reverence that they have for this flower and how important it is to them. Because not only was it that aspect of the sun and the war god, but it's the food, it's the sustenance that comes from it as well. So I feel like there's so much to offer with this plant. Um, and then also Herb of Apollo, and I have to shout out Maxine Miller, uh, one of my favorite artists and illustrators. Um, she has a wonderful illustration of a sunflower and she has Apollo in there. And the way she depicts it is just really nice. And she brings the bees in with it. Um, so uh, you can look that up, too. If you just look up Maxine Miller and you can find her print, it's, it's a glorious print. Um, also associated with all the sun goddesses as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that Demeter is usually associated with sunflowers if I uh if I'm not mistaken.
2: Love it. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick. I think it's interesting that this shield business keeps on coming up. Oh, there you go.
1: There you go. Yeah. That go- that's so cool.
2: So the shield flower and then I brought up earlier on the sun card, you're generally going to see a uh, brick wall, right? So the shield being for protection, it's a barrier, it's a partition, and then you see that wall on the sun card and for a long time i wonder what that's all about and uh, i know i've mentioned it before here probably forever ago but or maybe during gemini season i can't remember but a lot of hero twins are associated with building the first wall in like a town and they're credited for founding the town so romulus remus in rome they built the first brick wall brick symbolism uh, relates to the sun because you bake the bricks outside traditionally and you would start break uh baking bricks and you would resume building projects when the sun returned during gemini season and even um it's not uncommon to see two children like brothers or twins in front of this brick wall in older versions of the sun card very much related to the gemini twins in my opinion so sun symbolism and gemini completely related in so many different ways um and then I'm just kind of reminded of the glyph of the sun, right? The common glyph, which is a dot. It's the circumpunct. It's the dot with a circle around it. I've always said that I think that this is actually a polar symbol that was turned into a solar symbol. But regardless, that outer circle very much reminds me of uh, that same partition, this same wall, this same sort of barrier, you know, in a way reminds me of Saturn and how Saturn is the end of the line under the traditional planetary system. So Saturn is related to walls and keeping things in. And uh, it's like the symbolically, I think, um, like the the shell of an egg is very Saturnian, the walls of our home and the roof, you know, very Saturnian, right? Keeps things in, keeps things out as well. And so uh, I'm just kind of noticing and appreciating this shield business this protection business keeping things out keeping things away and so when she said that it used to be called the shield flower i'm like oh man there's like a few things going on here so i don't have it all completely figured out but just kind of acknowledging it for what it is and from what i can gather
1: oh and if you oh go ahead Go ahead. Kyle.
2: No, go ahead. You're, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say there's another slide after this to just demonstrate the um the spiral of life that is just like so prominent in this in this uh, flower which is
3: Ooh, yeah. That's what I was going to mention. You know the the um if fire signs if Aries is the is the ignition match spark and if Sagittarius is the wildfire um, Leo being like the hearth that when you give it attention, it also reciprocates kind of, uh, energy backwards. You know, it has this radiance. And so this is why I love growing sunflowers or just looking at sunflowers in general is you could stand in front of a sunflower and just get, (laughs) just be mesmerized and entrenched. And also typically there's going to be a bee on it, just doing the little dance moving around in this pattern. So it's so cool to watch the, just to watch and be around. It's a very, very, very Leo herb for sure. The other thing I was thinking about too with sunflowers is that um, as a, as a medicine, um, sunflowers are really great at relieving damp, cold states in the body. So you could say something that's like, um, especially in the skin because going back to Leo oil access, um, previous, herbs we had st johns wort all those little holes in it are traps of of oil the the bear root or angelica is a very oily plant which is why it's good for the vata and this plant is really really oily that's why we get sunflower oil and so if somebody gets a chill and this is something this is a a, a summertime cold what happens is and a warm
0: oil in case people miss that
3: the yeah you're warm you're sweaty um, a rain comes and, and uh, your your pores, which are open for sweat, now all of a sudden they get um, you have like a, a different type of pore that produces oil, and the oil comes up to like insulate your body and it can get inside of your sweat glands and kind of clog things up that 's what I would call a chill um, and so somebody 's ventilation system is kind of gunked up from their own thebum oil. A great remedy for that is eating some sunflower seeds or just getting some sunflower seeds from the gas station um, at the shell gas station, in fact, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, throw them in some water, even if it's just like the 50 cent <laughs> sunflowers throw them in some water and uh, make an infusion of them uh, unsalted preferably. But um, yeah, just sunflowers. sunflower. So iconic of summertime, the boys of summer baseball games, spitting out the sunflowers, just, you know, uh, you're just watching. You're watching people do their thing, and at the same time, you're kind of getting something out of giving your attention to it. Uh, I think sunflower is a great iconic uh, flower for that. Gotta take a moment and give thanks to the
0: great Peter Shell for a very generous, large super chat, and he's matching the super chat he gave us last Wednesday. So, thank you, man. Shell, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <say>. <laughs> that's really <laughs> kind. I appreciate that so much. Uh that you know it helps me keep doing this without that support. <laughs> second, awesome. that. Putting food on Jennifer and my table. Very right. kind. Woo. Thank you, man. And a sacred number too, 108. Uh which is about be- how many people are watching the stream across all of our channels. Ooh. Perfect.
4: That's, nice. that's cool. Well, that, that that leads me to my next point on the the shield flower aspect of it, you know? Um, So I hope everybody has their mental Zodiac dialed on because we are talking about the sun card over in Aries, which often does have sunflowers depicted in the, the, the young child sometimes two. who I think those two children on the, my fifth deck sun card is uh, Waldo Emerson and Henry David. Thoreau, those are the two, those are the two children on my sun card, and there's a lot behind that, but it has to do with the sun and the thoroughbred that the uh, the child is sometimes writing on. It's even the wall. Remember, you're talking about the wall, so we got Waldo Emerson and Thoreau. Um, uh, but I wanted to mention the S and the F with the sunflower, S and F in old in old script were interchangeable it was the same uh font piece the same text type uh so that's just something on my mind um when i think of oh how is f and s related that's just one of our etymological philological allows is the f's and s's do have this flip-flop this slip-slop that they like to do sometimes um but, okay, the shield flower, that is important because we are in Leo and it's going to have a, a 180 re- reflectivity down into um, Aquarius, which is where Pegasus exists. Pegasus the minor is a minor deacon of Aquarius. And so the decapitating of Medusa happens in Capricorn. The next stage over is where Medusa comes out of her, her neck um so we go out of capricorn into aquarius and pegasus comes out of medusa's head as though we're rolling through the scenes of the story of perseus and perseus is stationed in aries holding the head of medusa up there in the sun card so the sun card is the baby baby perseus who's in the constellations is holding the head of medusa who is on the shield of athena so the shield flower reflecting Pegasus right now, going, again, we're all over the Zodiac, I know. But from Leo, there should be a reflectivity of Pegasus at 180 degrees. So I just kind of wanted to put all that. I know it was all over the Zodiac, but it does make a lot of sense. When you hear the word shield, I think of 180 degree reflectivity relationships.
0: Shield symbolism is also solar symbolism and boat symbolism. Uh, there's a lot to that. The uh, priests of Apollo. Speaking of, <laughs> seems like every major flower has got some Greek god getting it on with some nymph, and then things don't go well, and they get turned into a flower. Some <laughs> flower is no different. There was an oceanid, oceanid nymph called Clute who had a little affair with Apollo. And eventually Apollo got bored with her and wanted to go on to his next conquest. So Clutie goes and finds the father of Apollo's new boo, tells her or tells him about their relationship. And this father is like, well, I'm not going to let my daughter just be played by this, you know, pimp and sun god. And so he forces his daughter to break off the relationship. Apollo gets pissed off. And so he turns Clutie into a sunflower. And so it's kind of like a unrequited love story because she continually follows his movements forever. There's a lot of stories like that in Greek mythology. It's like, you know, you got a flower. Well, we got a story about how the gods were promiscuous and vengeful. That's <laughs> their thing. I wonder, I wonder
4: if there are any body parts named after Clutee. <laughs>
2: Well, let's just look at the strength card and or the lust card, I should say, yeah, right, right <laughs> on right. the uh, the deck, just real quick, I'm just noticing right now too we have both we have corn and sunflower growing, and they both kind of provide a little privacy, mm. so they shield us from you know people who might be driving by or whatever, so I wonder if that's kind of something too, just like you know the actual um you know just how these Plants are and how tall they get, and everything else that they shield and give you a little privacy. Potentially, I don't know. Maybe, perhaps that's the wall. Um, you know, um, just a row of sunflowers, right? Just growing. Back um, to your oh, SF switch, game Shield and field. Got a field of sunflowers, ooh. shield of corn and flowers. Wow. Excellent.
0: Nice also, one. that means,
2: too, a Sunday is fun day, then, huh? <laughs> yes. Right. He's getting it. We're getting it. This is real. (laughs) I'm starting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I just wanted to say the last thing regarding the partition wall shield business is that the glyph for the sun does look very similar to Saturn from a bird's eye perspective, right? And so uh, there is this whole idea, I know I've brought it up a million times probably, but that uh, Saturn was the old sun. I'm not saying that that's what I necessarily subscribe to. There's also an idea too that Saturn was once the pole star as well during the uh, original sort of alignment, if you're looking at the electric universe side of things. but And uh, then
0: there's the Saturn being the name of the sun, just just this sun in older... Mythos before it got assigned to the planetary. Actually, all the pretty much every planet in its modern nomenclature was a a solar deity's name somewhere at some time. And then there was a point where the Greeks switched up the naming convention of the planets and they all have previous names like Mercury used to be called Stilbo, yada, yada. That's a side tangent. But I think that might be where some of the Velikovsky theories about the old alignment and Saturn being the, the, the planet Saturn being a sun at one point, I think that might be where the confusion steps in is that there, it would be confusing to see Saturn referred to in a solar context or Kronos, but it seems to be the case. There's one thing about sunflowers that I thought was kind of neat too, that uh, Pizarro, the explorer of South America in 1530s, He claims that the Incas had a sunflower god, sun god named Inti. Sunflower was the image of that god, and that the priestesses wore gold discs that were made to look like sunflowers over their breasts, kind of like you know, your Hawaiian coconut bra (laughs) as a honoring of Inti, their sun god. Hard to know what's true about the pre-contact. Mythos and practices of the Americas, because all the people that did that, the good work of documenting that stuff, most of the work got, you know, book burned because I think it refutes Judeo Christian history
2: by demonstrating that the the system was worldwide at one point. Also, uh, strengthening the bond between Saturn and the sun. Uh saturn's day saturday sunday right these are the week this is the weekend and so that's kind of interesting that they're right next to each other in the days of the week and signify the ending and beginning depending on what part of the world you live in uh, of the week itself right and saturn was
0: called Phaeno prior to the greek season chronos according to dylan good call nice
4: hmm uh so one thing about the sun card that I always point out is that the sun is what lets our eyes see. And, you know, there's been a lot of work done seeing it through the lens of sun worship. But I always point out that at the same time, there's sign worship and it is literacy The sun card brings to my mind literacy. The sun lets our eyes see, but the signs give us literacy. And so that wall behind those kids on the sun card, uh, Mario, to me, that's also uh, a library. That's the library of Alexandria behind them uh, is also part of that wall. Uh, I just thought I would throw that in there, the literacy of sign worship.
0: Jayla's bringing up the Super Bowl Janet Jackson boob reveal.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's some culty stuff in that, no doubt. Oh,
4: yeah. That was very amusing
0: for me still to this day. <laughs> Hawthorne, man, this one is just really deep. There's a lot going on with Hawthorne. Excited to hear Kyle break it down for us.
3: Yeah, the craggy, contagious. Um, let's see. I think of Hawthorne as the archetypical heart remedy and to see why I think I'll take this to a a distant angle of observation. Like I, like this aquarium normally does. And let's begin with a cycle of the year. And, uh, for those that didn't follow their Pope's calendar and know that Beltane is May 1st or 2nd. They relied on the blooming of the hawthorn. When the hawthorn bloomed, Beltane was then. So sometimes it was a couple days earlier or sometimes it was a week later. But Beltane, the connection with the bringing back of light of the sun. um, is Here's a a, a solar idea, right? Then we have um, the, this is a, a picture of a plant of the hawthorn tree that I took. This is a tree, by the way. And it's a a relative to the apple. I believe that the apple may be a cultivated version of the hawthorn. So think about the apple and all the things apple related. And I'm not saying that it's a one for one, but it's very close. Um, Apple a day keeps the doctor away. uh, You know, the apple that's on the back of my computer and whatnot. Um, And so very similar looking fruits, very similar looking blossoms. And then one thing that's really noticeable about the hawthorn tree, as you can see in this picture here, um, that I took, this beautiful rainbow that just, uh, this is a tree that's associated with the Fay Folk, and I'll get there. But the most obvious thing to me is the massive thorns, huge thorns, their their seemingly only uh, function is for offering space. Uh, Chance, Jennifer stepped
0: on one last year.
3: <laughs> you stepped on one?
0: Jenny did, yeah.
3: Oh, dear. Uh, would you mind going to the next slide, please? Um, okay, so here's the berry. You see the five, five petals that were formerly the flower and little tiny-looking uh, apple-like things. Now, when this tree is in fruit later in the year in September, it is abundantly red just offering this redness okay so here is a whole bunch of gifts and just like um just like me when I have my a heart a healthy heart and when I say heart by the way the word heart is uh is baked into the language you know we have uh at, 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 in its in its stages of um spiritual emotional mental physical like we when we say uh, that people have a lot of heart. We're not necessarily talking about like a pathological abundance of tissue, right. <laughs> uh, or a broken heart. We're not like, Oh, I got to get in there. And sew that thing up, we know, we know what it means. It's whereas we have to kind of use our imagination with a lot of other organs. Uh, like you got a lot of gall to say that, you know, this is gallbladder. So, so on, but with a heart, it's really easy to understand that there's, that this has kind of survived in the language. So when I have a healthy heart and I'm talking about Physical, spiritual, mental, emotional—all this—I can radiate my abundance like this hawthorn tree with its red uh, fruit. By the way, it's very tempting and reminiscent of the blood, and um, and therefore, you know, y'all can come and get my abundance. Come and get it, just like uh, just like the Toro field opens up and uh, it it peaks, and when it peaks, uh, it comes back in, and we offer ourselves the that uh, all of that, that we for being in this space, you know, we're taking in everybody else's impressions. And then I also have the the boundary. So I say, yeah, come and, come and take my fruit. You could take as much as you want, but don't take advantage of me. Don't take advantage of it. You got to be mindful when you're coming to get this stuff. You got to be careful because if you don't, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> That's kind of the, the archetypical remedy of a healthy heart to me is that we have, uh, we could share what we 're offering, and then we can also protect what we 're offering um, and and the toroidal field now zooming back out again from you know my in my view, if you can go to the next slide, please. this is a hawthorn tree from the wintertime, and I took the picture with a with a uh, the expanded lens okay, I know that not everybody admits that when they take like a fisheye lens photo, but here I am doing that but uh, I, I do want to illustrate that the picture of the Hawthorne tree has a very, uh, it has a lot of signatures of the circulatory system where it's craggy and it crosses and it has a very circulatory-like feel. But it also has the toroidal-like feel because the roots are very, very similar uh, root structure to what we see above. So when we picture in our mind, and I even have a slide here, uh, the next one, maybe there's uh, the this is the Celtic tree of life, which is often said, like if, you, if you're if you wondering what that is, it's always said that it's an oak tree. Well, a Cretaceous or a hawthorn tree to me is like a mini aspiring oak tree. But if you look at those leaves, those don't look like oak leaves. This is the normal stylized tree of life. And so it's a symbol. It's a symbol of this oroidal aspect, this sharing. Here, my, here I am in my central pillar, my central axis, my shishumna. The, the quiet central stillness shush human shushumna, shush. right down the center and then whom everything else that dances around everything that i can offer um and so i see the hawthorn tree really symbolically here in in the celtic tree of life but also what the celtic tree of life can also represent is that toroidal healing heart space the healing heart the the healthy boundary uh that when chance strikes his his uh, tuning fork, he could feel six feet away, and if you have really, really strong heart field, you could feel it seven, eight feet away. Or if you have a really good practitioner like Chance, you could feel it for a long ways away, uh, maybe an infinite amount of space away, depending on um, depending on what you're looking for. And so that's the that's the resonance of our of our heart space. So Hawthorne as a berry is a really good, great uh, medicine for tending this space, but also as a berry because it's red. It's really high in bioflavonoids. It is a premier tonic for the heart as a muscle, um, as a whatever it is. (laughs) I almost said pump. I know it's not a pump, but uh, the vortexer, the spiraler. How about that? Um, The berry, and then the leaves and the and the flowers are more for the uh, the peripheral uh, capillary beds. So it's the whole picture of circulation. We get a whole a whole um, group of medicine here. So a lot of times I'll I'll go out in the springtime and I'll take some leaves and, or leaves and flowers and I'll start tincturing them and then I'll go in the fall and I'll get some berries and I'll start tincturing them with brandy, by the way, it's really, really nice. Let it sit for uh, three or four months and it's a really, really great medicine. It's a good one to smoke. It's a good one to drink as a tea. It's very nutritive and it's just, I think that this is a great remedy for just about anyone. It doesn't have a, a favorite type of person to work for. It's just healing for the heart um, for just about anyone in the circulatory system. So if anybody has like uh, questions about circulatory system or their heart, I always start with Hawthorne as a base. And then I go from there and then, yeah, the, the fairy folk, the fae folk, that's another thing that, it, that this plant is, have, has a strong relationship with. There's two trees that are like the, the fairy, the fairy trees. There's the fairy mother tree and there's the fairy father tree. The fairy mother tree we covered in Capricorn, and that is Elder, which has a strong relationship to Saturn, Elder. Um, it's, got, it's got the berries that hang down, red berries, and it's got this like uh, returning blood kind of signatures to it. With the, I said red berries, blueberries that are just like returning that venous blood. And then there's hawthorn, which has got this masculine projectiles. This is the father of the fairy tree. Um, and with its redness, it's, uh, symbolic of moving away, projecting outwards from the center. Um, so there's a lot of stories and myth about, you know, you're not supposed to bring a hawthorn tree. You're not supposed to cut it down. You're not supposed to bring it inside. It's a very, uh, you're not supposed to play underneath it except on Beltane and stuff like that. Um, because of the, you know, the myths of the fairies. Or the, let's just say, I know the fairies is like kind of a Disney word now. So let's just say elemental spirits, the etheric elemental spirits. Uh, Uh, They call them, the
0: the Irish called in the ancient times the she. Oh,
3: that's awesome. I like that.
0: It was spelled S-I-D-H-E or something like that. But you know how Gaelic and Irish are. Lots of extra letters in the spelling that are not actually sounded out. But the she were the, originally the names of the hills or the tumuli like the burial towers that dotted the landscape. And then eventually the people of the hills or the people of the, the burial mounds, the other side the realm of the dead, they're called the she. So there's something, something there just wanted to give people that vocabulary.
2: That's really, really interesting. I uh, just want to say, too, I really like Dylan's comment here. Heart is also heard. And then your follow-up comment, the heart is the third ear. That's really interesting. Obviously, you have ear right there in the middle of heart, super receptive. And um, actually, if you don't mind progressing just one more slide, just an observation. Those thorns are crazy, dude. I, I never realized that their thorns are that big. That's that's fascinating. But just the little petals, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's a 5 sort of a uh, five-pointed star right and so very much related to uh, you're talking about the taurus field you know i think of venus and venus's relationship with five when i see the pentacle i oftentimes think of venus given venus's transit in the heavens over the course of eight years this venus rose or venus pentagram um and also because of the apple connection too right you're going to see five seeds in an apple if you if you cut it horizontally right you're going to see that same five-pointed star in the apple the same way you're going to see it if you cut it vertically um you're going to see the toroidal field so i like all of these different connections with the apple and stuff that's really cool that's
3: great cool comment about uh herd dylan i I work with this plan and I recommend it a lot for people who are ready to move beyond their five senses. And this is something I teach in herbalism too. We start with our five senses, you know, what we could see, what we could smell, taste hear, and touch and move into the realm of the proprioception of the heart space and how we can feel uh, what our heart is telling us through those little Strings of the what we could call heart strings, the little electromagnetic strings that are radiating out and constantly playing back and forth with everything else that emits one of these things too. It's not just life, by the way. It's uh, it, it certainly is all living things, and they're they're really strong. But there there was a Netflix thing that was called like Marie Kondo, and it was all about like tidying up your place and making making your house have what sparks joy. Right, joy being. Uh, living in the heart and so you pick up an object and Stephen Buhner who's also a great herbal author and uh, earth poet he calls himself he he also talks about this practice where you pick something up and you just tune into your heart space and you say how does this make me feel I'm not talking about like this feel I'm not talking about smell or any of these senses I'm just talking about the feeling that I have with this and really tuning in to the objects that we have in our space as a first way of engaging with the outside world. So we're first doing it in our private area so that we can strengthen and tune those heartstrings if you will um so that we can hear with our heart. So that's an awesome comment.
4: Nice. Yeah, the uh, you know the anagram that I pulled out of Hawthorne is who in heart. And of course I'm spelling heart H A R T. But uh it uh definitely uh you know it's the christ christ has
0: thorns around the heart yeah the crown of thorns is said to be hawthorn right by christian nice. scholars nice that's perfect that well
4: that's that's in the answer is within the word <laughs> it's like you know uh who on uh, who in letter in w h o letter in h a r t um but in can be on as well as in. Um, but then it's a uh, Cretagous. is a Sagittus. Sagittarius. Sagittarius is an anagram for Sagittarius. Uh, and it's also Sagittarius is the pointy one. It's the it's the pointy one. <laughs> so I think I thought I'd throw that in the mix.
3: Here's a, here's a Hawthorne story. Um, When I went to Glastonbury, England, one thing that I really re- remembered resonating with is this myth that they have at the Abbey in Glastonbury. You know Glastonbury is where they have the the tour as well, and so there's the hill and there's the there's the tower on the hill and um every little place in Glastonbury area has their connection with King Arthur. Or the Holy Grail, like even little pubs like, oh, they're Holy Grail is behind the mantle. You know, like it's just like it's like built into the to the tourism and the appeal of the town. But in Glastonbury, they have a hawthorn tree that grows in the in the Abbey and it's no longer there. It died. But it was uh, said that Joseph of Arimathea went to Glastonbury and along with the Holy Grail. And when he when he got there, he took his staff, which was a hawthorn staff, and put it into the ground, and from that grew this particular type of hawthorn tree that nobody else knows about or has seen since uh, like the 90s when it died or something like that. And this type of hawthorn tree was a it uh, it bloomed two times a year, once for Beltane and once for Christmas. And so that story has always stayed with me. They have like and well, they would send a
0: sprig of it to the queen every Christmas and she would decorate her Christmas dinner table with it.
3: Yep. Yeah. That story always stuck with me because I was like, OK, wait, Joseph of Arimathea. He was the one that took Christ off of the cross. And they said that Hawthorne might be the crown of thorns and all this stuff. And he had a staff and he goes to what we now call England. What, like 34 A.D.? <laughs> And then, so in order for this story to like kind of make sense, going from where you know Israel to to uh, what we now call England, we have a lot of fuckery with the historical narrative and the geography, but it doesn't it's it doesn't have any uh deterrence with the gravitas of this tree. Like people honor it because they're like they're not like it is said that Joseph of Arimathea. They're like. Joseph of Arimathea came here and that's, why, that's how we got this tree. By the way, there's fairies up there and there's all, you know, this is a magical place. And uh, and so I always thought that was really interesting that it was just like a, a matter-of-fact kind of thing with Joseph of Arimathea. And so since you mentioned Joseph earlier and the other Josephs in the Bible, I thought I'd bring that up and see if you had any thoughts on that as well. Nice.
0: What? I think you summed it up nicely. Uh, also, it. Critag- I would guess is probably a, a connection to the strength card in Leo because Kratos in Greek is strength. Oh, nice.
4: Nice. Right. And if you, uh, if you make your baby in Sag, it'll pop out in Leo, I think. Yeah. I think there's a nine month span. Is that
0: right? Oh no, 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 that's not right. You wanna do it in Scorpio season. Yeah, you want to, yeah, right <laughs> before that. I've been I've been plotting this. <laughs>
4: yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> so you know, Kyle, that uh the weave on Joseph of Arimathea and his you know, his whatever later pilgrimages, uh, I think that is also immortalized in uh William Blake's Dark Satanic Mills. Uh uh, his poem about the dark satanic mills. That is not the title of the poem. Title of the poem is super obscure, but if you just look it up, William Blake's dark satanic mills, he postulates the possibility of Joseph Arimathea walking through some territories uh, of the UK that are not canon to the story, but they are very fascinating. And the other thing about that poem is that it is the alternative national anthem of the, of the UK. Um, It's their secondary or their fallback or their whatever, their rebel low key shadow national anthem is uh, Blake's poem there.
2: Oh, that's fascinating, dude. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm just riffing on a few things real quick. The, uh, the Leo connection here, potential Leo connection here. and. The whole myth, I would look it up if our internet was faster, but the whole mythology about removing a uh, thorn from the paw of a lion, right, is a thing. And then we're talking about the the line of Judah and Christ's crucifixion, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then also the UK connection with the lion is interesting because in the uh, official UK coat of arms, you see a lion, and then on the other, other side, you see a unicorn. And I've made a video, and I think I have the receipts for it that uh, the unicorn was once um, a mythological creature that designated cancer so i think what you're seeing actually is this interplay between leo the lion and then the unicorn being symbolic of cancer and the unicorn is always chained too that's something that you'll notice and i see it that the uh, the unicorn's horn is actually symbolic of the world axis as well
4: okay hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold
2: on. i think the past
0: story you're talking about is in drog and Androg- Androcles or something like that he is a runaway slave hides in a cave there's a wounded lion he helps the lion get the thorn out of his paw and then later he's caught and he's thrown to the you know in sort of that like classic mythical execution in the arena the animals are set loose on him and the same lion is there and it doesn't eat him because they're friends
4: Oh, oh okay cool. interesting that's yeah. a great story and his name, Andrew, will be um, like manliness or courage.
0: Yeah, Androcles, that's right.
4: Yeah, yeah. His name has both courage and claws, <laughs> you know, like uh,
0: manliness or and claws. is all in his name. Well, even core is the same root as car, core, heart, you know, car, right. heart and courage, that word, courage, is actually referring to the heart. Right? so
4: the name is like Braveheart
0: quick <laughs> wow, okay. because go, like, I've got some Hawthorne stuff too. This is like I said, this is a really expansive tree and plant
4: yes, um this is this is a huge one um I just wanted to just kind of confirm or put a pin in uh what Mario said about the idea that uh uh talking about cancer and uh, the unicorn I guess that's Montecers right? Uh, right in fact she's uh, often depicted in shackles those would be manacles you know uh, manacles moncers very uh, similar uh, spelling there but something that's that that hits for me is I've um, I've been weaving on cancer and, uh, because I discovered Socrates, the painting of Socrates when he's dying, he's reaching for that cup of, uh, what is it? Is it? It's not a hawthorn. What is he drinking? Hemlock. Thank you. He's reaching for that cup. He's in the position of cancer. His finger, he's pointing the one finger up. He's he's giving his assent. He's saying his last words, and um, it's just fascinating that you're pointing out that it could have been the uh, the the unicorn. Because of that pointing, I've, I've been seeing that as like maybe he's pointing at the North Star where the North Star used to be. The fact that you mentioned that there's always shackles. Socrates in that moment, he's in a prison. And there oftentimes are shackles or monocles uh, depicted on the wall behind him. But that also, to me, is the lynx constellation. So if you go just over Cancer and pretty much over Cancer and Leo, there's a long constellation called the lynx constellation. And it's depicted as a lynx animal, but it is the lynx of the chain of the fact that he's in prison as well in the art. Uh, So that's just really fascinating. It's hitting a real note for me that you say that there's a unicorn associated with that uh, where I have Socrates located.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude, that's great. And uh, I kind of see it too, as Leo, the lion, the sun potentially cancer, the unicorn. I see some people in the comments making the connection between Capricorn and the unicorn. That's absolutely there too. So I don't deny that as well. And it's interesting that cancer and Capricorn are polarities of each other. So I, I see the case and I even say that in the video that I could see the case for both actually, but if it is cancer, it's the only sign that's ruled by the moon. So you have the only sign that's ruled by the sun next to the only sign that's ruled by the moon. And so to me, this, it kind of implies some sort of uh lunar polar sort of, um, thing you know this constant struggle right and there's this old belief that the sun and moon are constantly battling each other day in day out which is why the sun goes away and the moon rises etc etc so i don't know i kind of think that there's something uh, to be said about all of that perhaps some sort of commentary about i don't know a patriarchy versus a matriarchy too or you know masculine feminine etc so
4: i dig that yeah i like that that they're uh that the moon is cancer, the sun is Leo, never it kind of makes its own pillars, right? Its own <laughs> tracing board of sorts.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Oh yeah, Dylan brings up the uh Phoenician word for lion is lease or leeks, which is basically lux, light, light and lion go together. And if you take the in out of links, you get the Phoenician word leaks. Good. So the couple of things I had to I wanted to say about Hawthorne. You brought up the Celtic fairy folklore aspect to it, that it's associated with the other world and that the she reside within the Hawthorne. <laughs> One thing that's interesting about the she, speaking of Phoenicians, is that the king of the she was called Finvara or Finbera or Finnbar. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in those phonetics. You've got like Ishvara, now it's Finvara. You have uh, bar or bear in there. Bar being (laughs) there's there's a lot there. We'll just leave it at that. But he's a ruler of the dead, like an Osiris figure. Uh, Then there's all kinds of stories that have happened throughout the years about these. You know, it's especially more prominent in like Iceland, I think. But in in Ireland, in according according to the story I found in 1999, work was interrupted on a road being built from Limerick to Galway because one of these fairy trees, a.k.a. a hawthorn, was in the path and they had to reroute the road and construction was delayed for 10 years. So obviously the fairies had some <laughs> effect on things and they've uh You know, there's lots of stories of ghosts appearing after the felling of these fairy trees and the 13th century Scottish mystic and poet Thomas the Rhymer claims to he claimed to have met the fairy queen by a hawthorn from which a cuckoo was calling. And she led him into the underworld for a time, brief time. And when he came back, he found that he was absent for seven years. That's a very common theme in the alien abduction mythos and the fairy tales, the missing time phenomenon. But this is back to the plague concept. You know, I don't think we quite fleshed it out, but plague. We were described we were discussing this last week about how plagues when when mentioned in the ancient writings, plagues might be referring to something more akin to war and strife than infectious communicable diseases and some kind of redefining of words which happens a lot around the ideas of public health and communicable diseases a lot of redefining of words in the cooties time period of the last couple of years but so plague comes from a greek root meaning to be struck or to be hit so like you know something that would happen in a fight that being said there are allegations if you will that the medieval folk asserted that the smell of hawthorn blossom was just like the smell of the plague the the big bad bubonic plague which that might be a different thing you know that's more somewhat more recent when i say plagues might mean war i'm saying like way far back like bc you know like ancient greek writers but uh, and it might not apply in every case but hawthorn was supposed to smell like the plague and botanists of modern times I've discovered that the chemical trimethylene present in Hawthorne Blossom is also formed in decaying animal tissue. Which Wow. Arabic, Arabic cultures associated Hawthorne with death for a long time already. So this is like an old association. Remember the whole king of the she being the ruler of the dead. Um, and so the the Arabic cultures, hawthorn has been used for funeral pyres. And that might also be because the hawthorn creates extremely hot fires, but there's this death come association, even chemically. Very interesting.
3: Let me interrupt just a second. the The other plant that smells very, I would say, animalistic and flesh like, uh, is the elder tree, which is the which is the other polarity. It's the feminine. polarity of the elf tree so both of those trees have that animalistic uh almost it's not it's almost like a repulsive yet let me let me it's enticing repulsive kind of smell to it um and it's not you know there's elderflower ciders and elderflower cordials and it's a it's a lovely drink but the smell of the flower itself does have like a animal decaying flesh kind of smell to it just like the hawthorn Really okay.
4: Okay. So, for, I want to mention that the Pythias, um, the sibyls, used to sit over the pythia, and the word pythia means rot. They would breathe in the fumes of the pythia and prophesize, and so they would literally harness the scent of rot to uh, to as the to give them the power of sight. Um, and I also want to mention that we're talking about these. Thorns, these uh, these barbed uh, annoyances, like the word plague means to bother or to be bothersome. And it just keeps coming up in my research. I can't count how many examples of uh, Socrates, his nickname, is the gadfly of Athens. And so he is labeled as like the nuisance, Gavin Newsom. All things Newsome. Um, Even uh, who's the robot guy? Uh, Robert Von Neumann. Von Neumann is an annoying man. Um, In all of these things, these little call signs are just telling us that these guys all hail to this philosophical. uh, It's a cult at this this point, but scientific optimism uh, is what all of this lends to. Uh, but the idea of the, because Socrates was like a plague, the question, the unknowing doubt becomes a plague. Uh, even uh, having to pay your insurance is a plague. It's a bother. Every month it bothers you. You got to, uh you got to do this. It's a thing you got to do. So it's like a thorn in your side. It's bugging you. If it's bugging you, it's on your wearing on your conscience. All these things are the gadflies of, of the collective. Um, so I just wanted to just kind of throw all that out that we're talking about things, barbed things that are annoying, that plague us. And then I'm going to actually step off the screen. I got to dig up a philological tie into plague that I discovered after that conversation we had. It's going to take me a minute to dig it out. I'm going to put it in the uh, telegram and I'll be right back.
0: All right. We can move into our
2: next plant. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I don't want to take us too off track here before we get into Lion's Tale, but oh, it's sure, kind of sinky. Go for it, man. So uh, on our Irish, right. during our Irish trip, we went to Galway, which you mentioned um, regarding the tree and the ferries and things like that and the roadway and all of that. It's interesting. If you were to Google image, you don't have to. But if you're to Google image Galway symbol you will see a couple of different things. One, you're going to see lions, you know, as part of kind of like their uh, county or city crest. And then the other thing you're going to see, which I thought was really interesting when we were there, is it's my understanding that there is a symbol that was designed in Galway that kind of got exported around and kind of became a thing. So if you go there, you're going to see it for sale all over the place as jewelry and like shirts and like other kinds of stuff. But the symbol is a heart actually being held by two hands and there's a crown on top of the heart. So I just thought it was interesting. You mentioned Galway and then they have the heart symbol, which is like part of their whole entire thing, part of their tourism. And then also you have uh, the lion on kind of uh, their crest there. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So they have like that available as like necklaces. There you go. That's a good example right there too. uh, On top of that shop there. But again, the heart related to Leo, the lion, the crown very much is an appropriate symbol to to correspond with the lion as well. And then you actually have the lion itself, you know, uh, on that flag there.
0: I'm interested in
2: the ship symbolism, too.
0: Yeah, right. Very interesting. You know, because this is what like the Holy Sailors, Dylan's audio or Dylan's book that I did uh, the most recently completed audio book for is all about the connection between the Phoenicians and the Celts or the Gallic people. Gaul and Kel are the same thing with the Ooh. C and the G interchange. Yeah. That these, uh, that the British islands were peopled by whoever these seafaring, holy sailors that have been styled Phoenician by, you know, the ancients, but that we really, we've lost the, we've lost our keys <laughs> about yeah. who they were and what, what was going on. So, Ch- That's what Dylan's work has done such an awesome job, you know, being on the track of. So the fact that there's all this sea symbolism or of ship symbolism is very, very interesting. Wonder how far back it goes.
4: So, uh you know, that will be Argo uh, in the minor deacons of the zodiac. That'll be Argo, which is just in
0: Cancer before you get into Leo. Yeah, and this one, it's actually kind of looks like it's missing a prow even.
4: Oh, good point. It does. And then, on the on the uh, the mast of Argo is a compass called Pryxus, or Prix, Pryx, P R Y X, is tied to the mast, much like uh, uh, is that Ulysses or uh,
0: Odysseus? Ulysses. Odysseus,
4: tied to the mast. Thank you. So yeah, Argo is in Cancer, and then at the end of, uh, just as you go into Virgo, so we've gone all through Leo, and just as you go into Virgo, you get uh, Canis Venetisi constellation, which uh, is these two dogs. One of those two dogs has a heart on his back uh, that is that uh, looks just like the heart that was held by those hands in one of those logos. And it's a royal heart that indicates King uh, the the King Charles the first as uh, ties into the decapitation of King Charles the first. That heart, uh, crowned heart logo that was in some of those visuals.
0: There's like a, a trendy little neighborhood tucked away, kind of hidden in the middle of town, but in the woods, in where I live, called Galloway. <laughs> That's interesting, Galloway. Totally. They like purposefully keep it from getting overpopulated and it's like just a nice little secret district. All right. We wanna get into uh lion's tail. Looks good. Really looks like some Dr. Seuss shit here. Love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I just had uh wanted to say uh you guys really helped me connect something with the um ear and the heart connection and the hearing. Because I've been dealing with an ear issue for like three weeks now. And, um, you know, in German new medicine, the ear is connected to hearing something you didn't want to hear, which usually is there's an emotional response to that. And so to me, that would make a huge that's a huge connection for me of like, OK, so to heal the ear, you must heal the heart. So that emotional response um, that hit me that I didn't want to hear whatever it was, you know. Um have I then dove into the heart connection of it as deep as I should yet. And I, I'm getting that I need to work with Hawthorne. So basically well, think about what it was. That's look like a really good one right there, what you were talking about. So I love those connections you guys made. So thank
0: look you. Look at this signature, two ears together. I mean just this is kind of blurry, but if you just mirrored two oh, ears yeah. together.
1: Wow. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Because to me, it, it further confirms or it kind of uh, solidifies the German New Medicine standpoint of it too. Because if you hear something, you have an emotional response to it. And so there's probably some deeper digging than just like, okay, I heard that. That may be mad. Well, okay. Well, why did it make you mad? What was it? You know, there's probably something way deeper, you know, going on. So just wanted to drop that in before we go into Lion's Tale and
0: I'd love to know for you
1: guys. (laughs) I'd love to know
0: someday, like maybe just between us when you get to the bottom of it, I would be curious because that's, you know, a more murky area of my comprehension of the biofield and the way that our bodies talk to us because I had a client uh, not that long ago who was experiencing a chronic ear infection. And I don't know if we quite figured it out. (laughs) But I know we I know we did a lot of good stuff in that session and we may probably move the needle, but I don't know if we figured it out. So that's one, you know, couple of more obscure areas of the biofield ears, elbows, learning a lot about them lately as, you know, situations come up, but they're more rarely addressed. So I haven't got as much experience on certain body parts.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to share um, because I, I have I feel like I know like I actually know the thing. That it was, it's just been, it has been a dark night of the soul. I've learned so much. I really have. I've learned so much about the ear, how it works, myself. Remedies. And so now coming, bringing all this stuff into it is going to help even further. So, you know, just like Chiron, the wounded healer, it's like I had to go through all this. And we all have to go through these shadowy parts so that we can, you know, help somebody else (laughs) Uh, on the next go around or whatever, you know. So I just been keep reminding myself (laughs) of that the whole time where it's been frustrating or stressful or painful or whatever. It's like it's got to happen. It's happening for a reason. So, yeah. As usual, lots of healing coming through this stream. So, hopefully, y'all are feeling it too. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and even heal and hear if you do the LR interchange, which is allowable philologically. Same word.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: You know, because what 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 causes us to heal is when we hear the message that our body and our soul has been trying to tell us through the injury or the illness. Right. But speaking of uh, philological swaps, Gabe, your share in the... I saw it in the Telegram group. Before we move past this, Like, tell us about this plague sink you found because I think that you just put a a huge nail in that coffin of believing in plagues. Well, uh, can you pull up the image? Uh, Apparently, uh,
4: many of the... uh, Abraham Lincoln's peers, like the presidents before him and uh, those who knew of him, uh, referred to him as a blaggard. And a blaggard is a person who uses a foul language. Okay, yes, is a person who uses foul language. And this is to say, I think they're saying like, He was using this good old boy approach to his campaign such that he was willing to publicly use profanity. And they're like, oh, he's cheating. He's trying to look like a good old boy because he's like saying these down home uh, phrases and sayings. And he's a wrestler. He's got like a a all winning wrestling record. Uh, So he's got this real down home boy uh, style of campaigning. And so they literally said, he's going to be, he's breaking all the rules. He's a, he's a blaggard and it, uh, blaggard. It means a, a person who uses foul language, but also here,
0: be like a bully or a bad guy, just in general.
4: Yes. Which is true because he
0: like uses force or manipulation does some kind of like, you know, something that circumvents someone else's free will by force or yes. violence
4: which is kind of true because he was a wrestler and in his style of wrestling was actually kind of a a catch-as-catch-can style fighting is kind of a, it's a blagherd style of fighting. But it turns out today, a blague is a joke or a prank. And when it appears in France in the 18th century, it is the meaning of a lie. And so what gets me here is that a plague is so philologically
0: close to a plague, which is a lie. P and B, which between dialects and languages. There's lots of times if you hear someone talking in Greek, for example, you can't even tell if it was a P or a B. Yes. There's, no, there's often no distinction for some people.
4: Yes. Now, Now, hang in here with me with the reasoning. If Socrates was a plague, or a bother, or a uh, a nuisance to the populace. Also, Socrates was the proliferator of the noble lie. He was the one that gave all of the city planners, all of the world leaders, this great idea that the only way to control people is to have the noble lie. And so the argument still stands that Socrates The pain in everybody's ass for all eternity is uh, standing in a position as being responsible for uh, what was such a bother uh, for everybody. What was such a pestilence on the on the populace? It is so fascinating that even the noble lie is still to this day the pain in our ass that plagues us.
0: So plagues are a joke or a prank. That's the that's the takeaway, everybody. (laughs) Just just kidding. What you do to yourself because of your fear of this prank is your own problem. Karma's not on us. That's the, that's, that's a deep.
4: Oh, I got one more. I'm going to go okay. on. I'm going to sit another one. I'll be right. Oh no, no wait. I might have already sent it to you. I'll
0: well, just let's, we'll, let's get uh, Michelle up in here for this lion's tail. We've been teasing it for too long. You don't <laughs> want to tease a lion's tail. It might I, you know, I, I mess with my cat tails. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you get swatted.
1: All right. So this plant is, so cool. And I will say that I just started learning about it last year because I was gifted a start of this plant by one of my dear gardening friends. And he had come across it and he grew it like a handful of years ago. And he was just like, you have to grow this because it is magnificent. And it's awesome. He said mine is like eight feet tall and it has these beautiful orange flowers that come out and it's lion's tail. Uh Leonotis. Leonaris is the Latin name for this plant. Um, It's also known as wild daga. And so this name comes from actually Africa because this this plant is actually native to Africa. And the word daga is marijuana in African. And so this is sometimes used as a substitute for cannabis. Not a substitute, but basically it does have hypnotic psychoactive properties to it, like on a lighter scale. Um, When it's smoked, you can smoke the leaf. You can also smoke the uh, flower itself, but it's used ceremonially, you know, to go into trance states along with music, drumming, fire circles, things like that um, in the native land of Africa. Um, And it looks like it would be an African plant. It has like a very tropical, warm sort of climate look to it. Um, And I will say that uh, mine did not come back this year. So in a colder, air, in a colder region, it will be an annual. Um, and in, in a warmer region, it will come back each year. So this, like motherwort, is also in the mint family, which we've talked about this before, but for people who don't know, can always be indicated by the stem. The stem of all the mint family plants are square. Uh, this is a really hardy plant. It has that same sort of spiky property as motherwort does, actually. So I've gotten a lot of experience learning about this plant just from growing it, growing it, and sitting with it. And that's where I've gained most of my um, knowledge from it. I can't say I've smoked it myself. I actually regret like not harvesting the leaves sooner. It just got away from me last year. So, um, but just seeing this, it's just like. To me, it's so magnificent. Uh, Leo signatures everywhere. It's really cool. Um, I do know uh, from research that they will use it as a remedy for snake bites and scorpion stings. And so that that doctor and I was just talking about with the spiky seed pods again kind of comes through. It like it it will sting you. So it's it's also the antidote for stings. Um, uh, also learning that it promotes circulation of chi, which. Again, just looking at this, there is so much vibration coming from this plant. And when you're in its presence, too, it's very striking. It makes you stop and look at it and want to understand what's even going on here because as you said chance looks like Dr. Seuss it really does it's it's almost cartoony in its way and how it looks and how it grows because the other thing I noticed about its growth pattern it reaches for the Sun so if it's in an area where there's not a lot of sun it will contort itself and twist and turn and bend to get more sun and that's what I noticed with ours um, that it really was really leaning in. <laughs> to get more sun more sun so there's another leo quality um there as well uh you know this is a hummingbird attractor they love the flowers hummingbirds just love the long flowers of course because they can get their beaks down in there um so that's another really cool thing about it too if you're wanting to attract hummers to your area this would be a really good plant to to grow and it does grow very tall ours got to probably about seven to eight feet tall um, and it's pretty hardy when it's in the summertime so it's a 2
0: leaf leaf. signature reminds me of like hummingbird wings honestly
1: Oh. oh yeah and actually speaking of the leaf if you go to the next slide This is one of the younger leaves here on the right. Um, that I took a photo of and you can see that heart shape and then as it grows and it gets taller then they become they'll straighten out a little bit and they get a little longer there's also a couple varieties of this plant too so that should be taken note of Um, and then I had to showcase these um, the flower pods and where they come from and that spiky nature that we were talking about that the antidote for a sting or a bite is kind of right there in in this plant and it has that same pattern like kyle was showing us with the heartbeat you know through with the mother ward it's it's just not as um not as many as motherwort has, but it's still very much, very much like that when you look at the stem and you look at the plant as a whole, it has that same pattern. So this is definitely a heart remedy as well. Um, I, you can use it for just calming. You can also use it for headaches and palpitations and inflammation and things like that. So I highly recommend people uh, do their own research on this one because as I said, I'm still learning this one, but I had to bring it into the fold just because of you can't deny that this is all Leo all day.
0: Really reminds me of the Nemean lion from Hercules's 12 labors because it had its golden fur was impervious to any weapon or attack, but its claws could get through any armor. You know, that's what it makes me think of. It's got these pokey it's because a lot of these plants are about the protection, but they've got claws too.
1: Right, right, right.
2: And uh, some versions of the strength card, I, I made a post about this on Instagram. Some versions of the strength card actually depict Hercules um, fighting the Nemean lion with his uh, club there, which I think is interesting. It makes a lot of sense. And
4: even the leaves are, uh, they have jagged teeth, you know, or sharp claws, you know, they're it's all spiky and jagged. Uh also the fact that when you the fact that you mentioned um <laughs> the the mention of Africa made me think right away of uh St. Augustus, augustus you know he was african uh uh august you know oh, having yeah. to do with the the lion um and even the word africa uh actually means uh sunny it's the same word as apricot. Basically, uh, so there again, we have the sunniness of, of the of the height of the summer.
2: Kind of a cool thing. It's random, but uh, your gravy bear in the background chance is reminding me that I do have a strength card where instead of a lion and a woman, it's a woman and a bear. And so that's from the uh, deck called the Pagan Other Worlds. And I think that makes perfect sense. It makes me think of Ursa Major being a mother bear, I think the symbolism is very, very nice to kind of have that substitute. So uh, just wanted to point that out because I I think it's beautifully done. And uh, symbolically, it just makes my mind think about all this Northern stuff. Oh man. I love this gravy bear. It's a good prop for behind, you know,
0: a podcaster. I got it last year at the, the (laughs) place where Kyle and I met actually the bear Taria national festival. And I am Really stoked that Labor Day weekend is so soon, and we will be gathering there again with a bunch of people that like homesteading, don't believe they're on a globe, and enjoy an extremely offensive, hilarious comedian. <laughs> it's a weird, eclectic bunch, and uh, it's going to be a lot bigger this year, so would love to see more people that... Tune in to these streams who uh, I can meet in person. Kyle, are you going to be there? Planning on it. All right. Well, have you got have you got tickets yet? Because I hear that they might, they might run out. I should have one, I think. Okay, great. Well, looking forward to it, buddy. That's going to be fun. I, every time we get to hang out in the real space, it's just better than the last. It's going to be awesome. I, I think Gabriel should go, personally. It's not that far for you. No, no, down here. I'm lucky. It's an hour from my from where I live. Just lucked out and I happen to be in the nexus point where everyone wants to move now because it's got a lot of freedom and you can grow stuff and low cost of living, cheap land. It's awesome here. Don't it's, tell almost, it's
4: almost like the name protected it all this time. People people had like a subconscious negative association, and that was its own insulation.
3: Ah, That's a good point, guys. I have a question for Gabe. Where is your Leo on the territories map? Uh, So Leo uh, is,
4: let's see. So Cancer pretty much takes Indiana and uh, Michigan. And then right about where Indiana blends into Ohio is the, the, a dividing line from cancer to leo. Hmm. And so almost all of Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and Maine uh is almost all Leo. And then uh and then of course as you drop down into Virginia, you're in Virgo. So that whole east uh corner of the US is uh Maine strength, you know, it's Wall Street. It's where Wall Street's at.
0: What's tall in the middle and round on both sides? Ohio.
4: Ah, nice.
0: <laughs> it's high in the middle, round on the sides. Well, I should have said high instead of tall. Sorry, I tried to make it trickier. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you want to go around the horn and give some closing thoughts? I think that we've done a great job tonight. It's three hours, 14 minutes in. The pie moment. I've really, really enjoyed this. (laughs) Jennifer says Missouri is more than she expected. (laughs) It's great here. Yeah, we'll start with Michelle and Mario, you guys. Uh, Michelle first. And make sure you let everybody know what is good, what's new over on your channel and your offerings, too. Don't forget to plug all the awesome stuff you're doing.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. And thank you guys, as always. Thanks, everyone who's tuning in. Uh, this keeps me motivated in so many ways so always grateful and thank you for the extra healing that came through for me this evening Um, michelleshealinghome.com if you want to get a hold of me sign up for my newsletter Uh, there's a newsletter coming out on the 30th because we have two full moons which is really exciting Uh, we have a blue moon which is coming up on the 30th so there'll be a new offering Um, let's see last night we had uh, Ingrid Kincaid on the healing home so if you guys want to learn more about runes and her approach and she has an unconventional approach which I really appreciate really love her we've been able to spend time with her in person as well so she's She is a force and it's awesome. So we had a good conversation. Um, Let's see what else. And uh, I think that's kind of it right now. Patreon.com slash The Healing Home. If you want to support me in that way, that's awesome. Uh, Very grateful for all the patrons that are coming through right now. So thank you as always.
2: Yes, this was a good time. I was looking forward to it. Uh, If people are interested in what I'm up to, you can check out symbolicstudies.com. Check out my channel, Symbolic Studies. Uh, I do tarot readings. I do design work. I do consultations and study sessions, things like that. So if I can help you on your symbolic journey, uh, just reach out And uh, I'm looking forward to the next one as well. So I I really do get a lot out of this and uh, I love this crew. So you guys are all very much appreciated and um, chance. Yeah. Thank you for being vulnerable earlier and and kind of sharing um, your guys's recent experience and stuff. My heart goes out to both of you. So just much love all around. Lots of gratitude guys. And including everyone in the chat too. Thank you guys for hanging out.
0: It's I always find it remarkable that, you know, 99% 99% of streams, we don't have to ban anybody. We don't have to, don't have anybody that we got to say, hey, cool it. This community is top notch, totally the tops. So thank you, everybody in the chats from Symbolic Studies Chat, Michelle's Healing Home Chat, and of course the Interverse Channel Chat. Y- y'all are just excellent folks. Thank you for being here. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Kyle, what about you, buddy? What's, uh, what's, What's the plug,
3: man? uh, Yeah, this whole show is a medicine for me, too. You know, I get a lot of medicine out of hanging out with y'all. I really appreciate you, Michelle, Mario and and Gabe and and Chance. And as you were mentioning earlier, uh, just a a second ago, uh, when you have when you're working on yourself, your inner world, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. Your chat is a reflection of your uh, yourself. So I give you a lot of credit for that chance for doing your inner work. And when I get to be done with this, I mean, it's like I'm proud to be on here, but then it's also very humbling for me because I learn lots of stuff and it's good medicine for me to take that uh, medicine back with me and I make it. So that's what I do. I make medicine, use interverse code. I also got a a YouTube channel I'm trying to kick off more information on. I'm starting this series called um, World Tree, in which I'm exploring the symbolic uh, axis mundi through the lens of a tree through the backdrop of the zodiac sign, if you will. So we're looking at the central pole, and as the zodiac kind of spins around it, it gives it a little bit of setting for this this world tree and all how it's been uh, fractalized by a certain culture and revered as maybe a, a central place of gathering and all of that that goes in with the world tree. The first episode I did was Bayleaf, and so that was really fun because I got to go to Greece in my video and talk about Apollo. And I was thinking about bringing Bayleaf tonight to talk about it because we just, you know, y'all just did the the um, previous episode on um, the oracles and whatnot. And I did this big video on Bayleaf and I'm like fresh on Bayleaf. I switched out Bayleaf for Angelica because that's really important to me. And I also thought maybe I'll cover Bayleaf for Ophiuchus because it is something that an officer is always adorned with is the laurels and so i'm i'm i i had an instinct about uh doing bay leaf for opiuca. it made a lot of sense here too but if you're interested in learning more about bay leaf and about world trees and in general i'll be posting one of those about once a month i got herb of the week i do a a herb of the week podcast and doing a little bit more than an hour or 75 minutes sometimes on a particular herb this week's herb is angelica where i do a really deep dive and talk about the medicine and the myth and the lore and all the things that you hear here tonight. And of course, uh, the medicine I make and, um, it's really fun. So thanks y'all. It's always a pleasure and congratulations chance on the big 100 episode. It's, it's uh, it's awesome, man. I love this show.
4: <laughs> man. Yeah. Ditto. I'm Super stoked on number 100. This is cool. Uh, I don't have uh, much going on. I just, you know, coming off of that hiatus, uh barely, you know,
0: uh I actually probably am gonna Don't be- lie, dude. You have a lot going on up here. I get the <laughs> voice messages. I'm the sounding board. I know there's a lot going on.
4: <laughs> there's always a lot going on. It's true. Uh but the slick distant channel has been uh is is still kind of just hanging hanging in the backdrop. I actually uh I'm about to get some dental work done in the next month so no promises on the slick dissident shared learning experience uh come going forward i did want to share a couple what one hanging chad and one story i forgot to share hanging chad was um yeah the hanging chad is um i found out this latin terminology sick s-i-c and It's the kind of thing that I'm going to try to convey concisely, but I recommend people look into it on your own and check multiple explanations or definitions. I have one here at hand, but the word SIC is a legal term that they use, and when you see it written down, it is telling you that whatever is quoted or conveyed to you probably contains an error, but the error is acknowledged and intentional. So don't think that this is a typo. This was done on purpose. Uh, So it absolves the messenger of any misunderstandings. Now, again, I want people to read these definitions from multiple places and keep your mind very open to what's slipping under the radar or what might go through the cracks. Um, I'm just going to read this uh, quick uh, definition from one of my favorite books. Amo, amas, amat, and more. This is a book on Latin phrases: how to use Latin in your own to your own advantage and to the astonishment of others. So the word "sick" translates to "thus," t h u s, which is "seth" in reverse, s u t h, sooth, right? Sooth, the soothsayer might be wise to read between these lines. This common word is used by writers and editors to indicate an apparent misspelling or a doubtful word or phrase in a source being quoted. This dissecant is useless. The meeting was the most fortuitous I've ever attended. Insertion of sick in these examples above. The quoter of the misspelling of misspelling the word dissicant is misusing the word fortuitous and lays the blame, if blame it is, on the source quoted. Very clunky definition. But if you read other definitions, they will also tell you that misinterpretations and unorthodox, non-standard interpretations are to be included. So it's telling you basically that there is a cipher not uh, not disclosed in the reading. And is they, it also
0: uh, telling us that whenever you go to the doctor and they tell you you're sick, you are accepting a misquoting or misunderstanding?
4: It's so profound what it means, man. It's so profound. And it's the kind of thing that you get the impression when you start looking into it, that it's like, if any word has S-I-C or C-I-S in the word, that that's your disclosure. It's like, if you can find this anywhere on the page, that it's telling you that there are pages within the pages, so to say. So I found that quite fascinating, that the whole world agreed to be sick during a plague or was it a blague was it a uh a a barrage of lies you know was it a pestilence of socrates question asking that just was a barrage of doubt that's what i think it might mean uh and then the other the last little detail the last thing i wanted to share with you because you were telling me about the doppelganger thing it was. It's so neat because it was just uh, a almost on the same week. I've been fascinated with the uh, fortune card. I mean, just fascinated. Uh, my uh, I just had my birthday, so my numerology. Uh, you know, I'm four plus six equals ten. So that fortune card has been like, you know, hitting me hard for months now, months and months now. But it was just last week that it occurred to me. Chance fortune. Has a synonym, chance. Your name is a synonym for the fortune card, buddy.
0: And that's yeah, a beautiful. In French, you say good luck. You say bon chance.
4: That's <laughs> just beautiful. That's so cool. It's so there's a part of me that is like, am I channeling my inner chance? Is that why it's? Is that why it's hit me so hard? So yeah, it's a uh, kind of starting to make some sense now. Starting to make sense.
0: Beautiful. Uh, that's an interesting thing to take away. The sick, the, uh, echoes of what it really means when we say sick. There's probably a lot more there. So, uh, to give my plugs, you, you know, just hit up interverse podcast.com or the show notes of any episode to see some ways you can support me. There's lots of ways. One of my favorite ways is that through typical new herbs with the interverse coupon code, you get a discount and Kyle generously not only gives you a discount, but gives me a kickback. So really appreciate that. And, uh, if you want to get a tuning with me, we're about a, a month, five weeks, maybe out in terms of Booking availability. So if it's something you want to get done sooner than later, the sooner that you hit me up, chance at interverse podcast.com, the sooner we can get you on the calendar. And, you know, if you came in late, go back to the beginning. There's a really remarkable story from a recent tuning client. And and I've got, oops, I got a whole, there's a cat causing mischief. I got a whole journal of client reports and stories. And like, that one was a extremely remarkable one and profound for the Leo conversation. But there's I could uh, <laughs> I could do a whole episode sometime just on trip reports <laughs> from tunings and some of the because just that alone will I think would be healing for people to see how comprehending the way that patterns in your life are emerging from beliefs to the degree of like really strong outer world experiences that seem to be outside of your control uh, and that you really have more free will about it. Once you get behind the wall of the the expectation or the belief. Anyway, I'd love to do more tunings for people. It's a very, very awesome modality, but other than that, it's been quite a good journey tonight, lady and gentlemen. Thank you so much for everyone who's here and we'll wrap it up for now. See you next time. Much love to you all. You know what else? I just gotta
4: say one more thing. It's my time. It's Leo time. Okay? Give me my fucking time. Especially after the last three and a half years. Us Leos got fucking rammed. And we fucking are still here. And we're still fucking cool as fuck. And those Leo Risings. I'm not forgetting about you motherfuckers. Um, let us have our moment here. Okay?